This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a very nice to be company. It's Monday. Traditionally, you don't like it. They'll tell you in the papers today why you don't like Mondays. I love Monday. I come in on Sunday. I love Monday, Tuesday. When I like Friday best. Friday's my favourite day. Uh, the relatives of flight MH370, they want to keep flight. They're going to keep banging on to the Malaysian government. Keep looking for this plane. The Malaysian government going, why don't you just go away? OK. Pop star Sam Smith has vowed to fight the gay bigots. Sony want Louis Tomlinson to discover its next big girl band. Band. Kind of goes together, doesn't it? Louis Tomlinson, big girl band. Kind of fits it. What does he know about it? What does he know about it? Nothing. He couldn't even buy a football club, could he? That was a load of old hogwash. And after a balmy weekend, it's gale time. Sound like Corrie, doesn't it? Imagine Gail time. God, she's coming in again. And Nikki Morgan, the Education Secretary, has accused her Labour opposite number of calling her love in the House of Commons. Oh, you precious little madam. Oh, somebody called you love, did they? Don't go up north, for God's sake. They call you love all the time. Hello, love. How are you? You are right, love? They do that. Even in Coronation Street. Hello, love. But, of course, she thinks it's patronising. Silly woman. Silly woman. As I say, don't go up north, because they call everybody love. Lots of people call people love. It's just quite normal. Quite normal. But, of course, if you're so stuck up as the education secretary, frankly, good slap on the back of the legs always sorts him out. That's what I say. Talking of people having a slap on the back of the legs, how could some bloke climb on to what is technically the most secure building in the country and stay there for eight hours? Oh, I think we found somebody on the roof of the uh, House of Parliament. Where's he from? Don't know. Might have been part of a demonstration. He managed to get onto the roof. Well, how easy is that? I mean, is, is there a, an escalator on the outside? Have I missed it? Is there a little ladder that you walk up there with the police asleep? I mean, there's supposed to be top security. He could have got up there. I mean, just think about it. He got up there. He could have planted a bomb, come back down again and detonated it when they were all inside. And the police wouldn't have had the faintest idea what was going on. Oh, there's somebody on the... can't believe it. Somebody on the roof. Look at that. Hey, love, what do you reckon? Don't say that. Don't say that. Personal trainer Matt Roberts. I remember reading about Matt Roberts years and years ago. Personal trainer to the stars, Naomi Campbell and all these other people. It turns out he's £4.35 million in debt. Obviously not as successful as you thought. How on earth do you get to be four point three? What sort of bank account lets you get £4.35 million in debt? Good God. Uh, coins are falling out of fashion. Thank God for that. It's gone to plastic. So much easier. And uh, 11-year-olds can be told what rape is. How useful is that going to be? Not really. Uh, there's murder at Crufts, apparently. Uh, well, so the owner says. She thinks somebody's poisoned her dog. Uh, how are they going to prove it? I mean, they're, they're, they're going to find out whether it was actually poisoned because they're going to do a toxicology report on the dog and then, then find out. She thinks it could have been, you know, somebody who was jealous. Uh, it could have been all sorts of things. This uh, dog called Jagger collapsed at home the day after coming second in his class. And it's claimed a vet found toxic meat in his stomach, which is generally the way that people sort of poison. I mean, I suppose there would be stupid people out there who, oh no, they can't be, can they? Could you be that stupid? Would you be somebody who was anti-Crufts because it was it was exploiting dogs? And I'm not a fan of Crufts. But then surely to poison a dog, I mean, what good would that do? I mean, I don't, I don't quite understand. So in other words, if you want Crufts stopped and you're anti it because, you know, you think it's cruel to animals, so you kill the dog. Stupid people. We know there's very stupid people out there. 
Very stupid people. And uh, no doubt we'll find them in the newspapers today because we love having a good old uh, wander through. Actually, talking of people, I was watching the telly this morning. I sort of wake up and I flip through the Freeview channels. I sort of find out if anybody's died who's remotely of, of interest to me. And then after I've done that bit, I then settle down to either finding one of those police interceptor programmes or I found a Boy George documentary this morning on Culture Club. Uh, Culture Club, who'd uh, been together, had lots of hits. Then Boy George discovers drugs and then the whole thing goes belly up. And they didn't want to know him. John Moss said I didn't want to know him. He was vile. And I can testify to the fact that he was vile. I mean, really, if you think of the nastiest person going, that would be Boy George. Really horrible. Really horrible. And, um, and so the, the documentary followed them. And then they, they got back together again. And they were going to tour America. They did a couple of little gigs. His disastrous one was on uh, the Strictly Come Dancing programme, where he turned up. And he didn't want to do Karma Chameleon because he's such a temperamental old baggage. And uh, and everybody mimed except him. He was singing it live, but of course his voice was shot through by that time. <clears throat> they were booked in for a huge tour of America, and uh, and then it was cancelled at the last minute because apparently he had something the matter with his throat, and so it went on. He was just throughout the whole documentary. I don't know whether he sat down and watched it, but he's either so far up his rear end that he's failed to understand that people loathe him, or. He's just so far gone that it doesn't actually make any difference to him. He came across in the programme as petulant. He came across as rude, offensive. And this was him being nice. This was him being nice. He was so horrible to them. You know, he was sort of saying to John Moss, because, you know, they had an affair. And uh, John Moss is married, now got children, whereas boy George is still, sadly, just as vile as ever he was. And, uh, and I watched this documentary thinking, this doesn't portray you in a good light. They all fell out with him. So at the end of the documentary, when the tour was cancelled, they'd stop speaking. And, so they, you know, because they'd all grown up, he was still mentally back in the cradle. And, uh, and they said, you know, when, when he was doing the drugs, that was the worst thing. I remember a restaurant in London that threw him out and he was barred because he was so revolting. So revolting. He used to do a show on LBC, you know. Can you believe that? Boy George, the show on LBC. It was the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever heard in your entire life. Actually, there's a funny thing in the paper today. I don't generally mention uh, sort of radio presenters because it's not in my in my remit to talk about radio presenters. But they always try to kind of make a big deal at a certain radio station. Nothing to do with us, I should hasten. You know, somebody's left who I'd never even heard of and has gone back to America. So they put this this woman in to do it. And she's trying to analyse radio. Whereas anybody will tell you, you can't analyse radio. You can either do it or you can't. And they've given her, part of this interview forms the basis of the fact that they've given her the audience profile so she can target the show for them. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, the sort of people she's appealing to are way younger than she is. And I'd never heard of her before, which didn't help matter. But I've read this article with, uh, with incredulity, thinking, so people who try to analyse radio, you know, what makes this programme more successful than somebody else's programme at this time of the morning? The answer is, this is better. I don't know why it's better. I don't want to analyse why it's better. I don't want to go home and start listening. I remember talking to a friend of mine who's desperate to be a presenter and has done some presenting shifts on radio stations. But every time this person comes off air, they analyse what they've done. And I've said, why are you analysing? He said, to make myself better. I said, but that's not going to make it better. Each show is completely different. Each show is completely... The only thing that's the same is the fact that your voice is going to be the same on it. You're the one sitting there. You're the one going to be going, welcome along to the programme this morning, if it's music or speech-based or anything else like that. And, and so he said, well, I, I like to sort of... And he comes off air sometimes quite, quite depressed. He goes, oh, I didn't think it went as well. I said, but you can't... Ana don't analyse it. All you can be on air is yourself. Don't ever try and analyse, you know, what you're actually doing, because it won't work. 
I can't sit down at the end of this programme this morning and go through it and say, I like that bit, I don't like this bit. Because, you know, I, I don't think like that. I mean, I'm not remotely bothered. I, I don't target my programme for the audience. I do it for me. I do it for me and laughingly him next door. I'm not doing it for anybody else. You do it for that. I can't see anybody. I know there's people listening because people write in. But never, ever analyse a radio programme. It's like you could analyse a TV programme because you can go, don't don't sit like that. It looks uncomfortable. Keep your hands there. Don't fidget. Don't move. You know, all those sort of things. But you can't analyse radio programmes. People either listen to them or they don't. And if they don't, it means you're rubbish. If they listen, it means that they love you. And that's why this has got the biggest audience in this time slot of anybody. And that's why we're very grateful. But uh, apart from that, we're not going to analyse it this morning. What else did I do over the weekend? Uh, went out on Friday night. That was quite nice. Went out Saturday night. Went out yesterday. <laughs> in fact, all in all, I'm quite grateful to come into work to have a bit of a rest. Got a birthday to celebrate a little bit later on. Of course, I'm telling them, but not you. Why would I want to repeat the same story twice? You come into the studio and he goes, oh, so what did you do for the weekend? I thought, here we go again. Here we go again. I don't ask him what he does because, frankly, I couldn't give a toss. You know, it's like, oh, so what did you do for the weekend? And the moment they start boring you with, well, Friday, I did... You know, I could come in here and go, uh, so Friday, I went home after I finished the programme, had a little bit of a sleep. You know, beauty sleep, they laughingly used to call it. Not anymore, they don't, because they don't make any difference, because when I wake up, I look exactly as ugly as I did when I went to sleep. And uh, then I had a nice shower, you know, used some of my new shower gel, £37, and I uh, had a go with that. And, uh, and then I put on some clean clothes. Socks, you know, usual sort of thing. And then I came back into town and the train was heaving on Friday. I've never been on such a packed train. I made six new friends on the train coming in on Friday, which was lovely. Because you were so close to people. Frankly, we were engaged by the time the doors opened at Waterloo. And um, why do I always get the person? You know, you're all rammed in and there's a person on their phone. You know, what could possibly so be so important that you've got to make a phone call to somebody on a train? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm on the train at the moment. It's a bit busy. Oh, shut up, you drip. These people have these naff conversations. So, anyways, we get off at Waterloo, go and have some uh, some nice bevies, have some lovely food, interesting conversation, and uh, then I go back, walk back to Waterloo with a friend of mine, and um, get on my train home. And it's uh, what do I get? I sit on the train home. I'm thinking, oh, it's nice and empty. This train. I hope it's like this. No, no. All of a sudden, it goes from being empty to being busy. And who comes and sits next to me? The bloke who's had a skinful and he's bought, he bought McDonald's. And he's sitting there and he gets the chips out. And I'm thinking, you peasant. You absolute peasant. Sitting there and he's, he's got he's got ketchup. And he's chip and mouth. And so it went on. It was absolutely dreadful. It was I couldn't wait for him to get off the train. Otherwise, I'd thrown him out the window. And so did that. Went for a walk yesterday in Regent's Park. Lovely. Very nice. Very healthy. And then I thought, I need to get some sleep because uh, Saturday had had such a busy day and we'd been out for dinner and it was lovely. But I just needed some sleep. I just needed to catch up on sleep. So, in fact, last night I didn't even make my phone calls. I just had to kind of leave it. I was texting, as you know. Sorry, tweeting and uh, sending things out. And then I decided I wanted to climb into bed and say farewell to the world. So I did that. And uh, a friend of mine, who you know about because... His other half, Gordon, is dying of motor neurons and it's on Ian Dale's programme. And uh, I, I just sent him a thing because he sent me a thing saying your book's doing really well, which is very nice. So I tend to send him a thing back saying it is actually it's going really, really well. Very happy about that. And uh, in fact, as long as people are talking about it, I couldn't care less what they're saying. 
because it's uh, there was there was one review I said to you the other day. There was a review on I think it was on was it on Amazon or something like that, which was scathing about the book. But of course they hadn't read it. They're just one of the life stupids. They're these thick people. They go, oh, I'll write this, and then people will stop buying it. It's had completely the adverse effect. I've sold even more copies in a week. I think I think we we went from sh- shifting I think sort of eighty copies on that date to over three hundred in a matter of hours. So I was quite pleased about it, really. So, of course, I went, yeah, thank you so much. More of those, please. And uh, so he said, I can't wait to get a copy of the book. And so I said, it's available on Amazon. Sent him the link. <laughs> I'm not mean for nothing. And um, and then he said he's going to get married. Him and Gordon are going to get married in Edinburgh on the 28th, because Gordon, as you know, is very sick. And uh, he's dying. There is no... There is no happy ending to this at all, I'm afraid. He's going to die. And so they're going to get married. The trouble is, it's on, a, it's on a Saturday night. If it was on a Friday night, I could have gone up there, but it's a Saturday night. And I can't do it because I'm never going to get up to Edinburgh, do this wedding, and then, because it's about four hours up there and four hours back again. So there's a day gone completely. So um, I'm going to have to write to him today and say, there's no way I can make it. Can you move it to the Friday? <laughs> Which, of course, he can't. But it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, that was just... So, all in all, it's actually been a really, really nice wedding. Uh, nice wedding. It's been a nice weekend. So, when I come in, the producer goes, so what did you do for the weekend? You think I'm going to repeat this story twice? I'd be exhausted. Then he starts telling me about the wedding dress. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Oh, God, you've no idea. Honestly, talk about... St- I need to go on medication for this programme. I really do. 16 past four. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. Nick Ferrari, this morning being Monday the 9th of March, the number of foreign criminals on Britain's streets has grown by 20%. Home Office now under fire for failing to deport them. The reasons they're losing the battle, human rights and even people refusing to say where they come from. Uh, many are murderers, rapists, paedophiles. We can't get rid of them. We can't get rid of them. Despots, we've got them all here. The mother who killed her three disabled children whilst in the grip of a major depressive episode has been granted weekend release from hospital to visit her husband and daughter. Pictured in all the papers yesterday and today. Max Foster, anchor and London correspondent for CNN, is doing the paper review. That's all with Nick Ferrari after news at 7 o'clock after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. 84850, uk. Rob in the millionaire's dumping ground of Luton says, Steve, did I hear you right? Steve Allen calling boy George rude? Pot kettle? What, you think I'm rude? About what? What do you think I'm rude about, as opposed to telling the truth? Mind you, I suppose, you know, being in Luton, you are the compulsive liar, aren't you? Because that's what Luton's like. And I can tell you're a compulsive liar, because one of your things here says, I never use a mobile, Steve, whilst driving. I can't drink my coffee and use my shaver if I do. Now, quite clearly, that's a lie. So, quite clearly, you're a liar. So, is that being rude to somebody, telling them the truth? Got to always be able to back it up, matey. If you can't back it up, you lose the argument. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Dion says, I love Monday. Shame the girl the Boomtown Rots, uh, the Boomtown Rats sang about didn't. Yes, that was somebody who shot people in that school. They seem to have things like that, don't they, in America, where people go round the bend and they open fire with guns. They go in there and just sort of kill people. That was like the story we had the other day on the programme. Rob, you might find this rude. I'm talking about Anders Brevik, who murdered 69 children. You might find this a bit rude when uh, he was uh, saying the other day he thinks he's being poisoned. And I went, good. I wish somebody would poison him. I wish they would poison him. Somebody who killed 69 people and stood there in court smiling and, yeah, 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 so good, yes. Yeah. I mean, I wish they had poisoned him. I don't know why they bothered looking after him. They're far too tolerant. Far too tolerant. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Obviously, Ollie Mann is a big fan 
of um, of country and western music, and I quite like country and western music as well. I wouldn't I wouldn't openly admit, but in fact, if you remember, there was a song that I tried to get hold of for years because I'd heard it a long time ago and then couldn't find it. And luckily, you all found it for me, so I've now got no end of copies of a singer called Connie Cato, and the song is called "I've Been Loved by You Today," and it's a real real hold down kind of a song, you know. Sometime you I love all those kind of things. I don't like the mournful country songs, you know. Um, you know, where I love my baby, she loved me back. She killed my dog and then married my dad. You know, all that kind of stuff. I don't go for those kind of things. I like the Dolly Parton kind of stuff. That's really, mind you, some of hers are quite sandy. Late in there one frosty night, I came a dolly knocking. <laughs> me and little Andy. I loved all the Dolly Parton stuff. I loved most of it. I always used to like all the women with the big hair. Some of the men had big hair too, and very camp outfits. There was a lot of rhinestones going on, a lot of rhinestones going on. And I'd love to go to the Grand Old Opry, but I suspect it'll be full of trailer trash. I've just got a feeling it must look like Cardiff Arms Park on a Saturday. I've just got a feeling it looks like that. But I want to go. I want to go round Elvis's house. I've got the DVD. I've done, I've done all the things. I need to go back to America, don't I? I need to go back to America. I've got to go and do some, some things. Over there. I think the guys on the uh, roof of the uh, House of Parliament must have been listening to the drifters. Up on the roof. He says um, he must fancy himself as a modern day version of the one who tried to blow the place up all those years ago. Except he went sort of over as opposed to under. And of course Guy Fawkes uh, came to a very sticky end, didn't he, poor soul? Well, not really poor soul at all. Well, they probably would have done everybody a favour. So this 23-year-old, they go, oh, he might have been taking part in a demonstration against climate. I'm not bothered about where he came from. I'm not remotely interested in where somebody came from. I'm more interested on how easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy, it must be to get up on the roof. He got up on the roof and somebody said, we've just seen somebody on the roof, have you? Sergeant, there's somebody on the roof. Is there, sir? It is a little bit like Trumpton, isn't it? Where they're not too sure what they're doing. But somebody on the roof, is there really? Good Lord above, how did he get up there? It's like the... Excuse me, officer. There's somebody sitting on the Queen's bed. Is there? <laughs> really? Good Lord. <laughs> yes, there really is. There really is. Good God, man. What's he doing here? Get the bloody security. Imagine the Queen must have gone apoplectic at that one. Somebody actually got in. Actually got in to, uh, to Buckingham Palace. Which, of course, is guarded by police officers. But have you seen how unfit they look? All the police officers on Buckingham Palace are seriously overweight. There's a lot of tummy going on around there. And I think the Houses of Parliament, so in other words, you know, even though they've got all the barriers and the things that rise out of the ground and you can't drive into it, you just walk round the back, climb up onto the roof. Simple as that. I mean, it can't have been any difficult. You know, I mean, how difficult must it have been if a 23-year-old could do it? He's on the roof, is he? Good Lord. <laughs> Makes you laugh, doesn't it, really? 84850, uk. We shall weave everything in. Uh, the stories in the papers today are not... <clears throat> excuse me, not particularly exciting, apart from murder at Crufts, the prize Irish setter. I don't know, I mean, she says oh, it's probably a rival. Why would a rival, if you're supposed to be a dog lover, why would you want to poison an animal? That's the bit I can't get uh, my head around. Uh, also, uh, there was another story, there was one that sort of leapt out at me, and I can't remember what, what the dickens it was. Oh, betting on games and fixing is common, say a third of players. Sarah Brightman, she's spending £35 million on a ticket to space. <clears throat> now, I'm pretty certain, in the back of my mind, the Russians were offering something like this years and years ago, and it was it was less than £5 million. They would take you into space for £5 million quid. She says it's not a publicity stunt. 
The producer said, oh, this is all going to go back to the producer in the wedding dress. Uh, the, so the, the producer said, where would she get 35 million from? You know, because she was married to Lloyd Webber, but I think she didn't accept any money as part of a divorce settlement. But she's been incredibly successful for years. She's toured abroad. She could have easily made £35 million. Let's face it, if David Walliams can be worth £16 million, she's been working much longer than David Walliams. Much longer. Although David Walliams, it, judging by what people were saying over the weekend, he's going to be very alone and losing loads of his money to look after his child and dog. Seeing as the model, Lara Whatsaface, has taken both. He must be gutted, poor soul, honestly. I feel immensely sorry for him. I feel immensely sorry for any parent who's had children and uh, then the relationship splits up and uh, off you go. I said in the paper the other day, in, over the weekend, Johnny Vaughan's uh, gone for divorce. His marriage has split up after 14 years. All these sort of people, you think, people have got cast iron marriages and there's no such thing as cast iron. All of a sudden, things go off the rails. All of a sudden, it goes wrong. All of a sudden, you fall out of love with somebody. And once you've fallen out of love... It's kind of very difficult to get it back together again. Very No matter what you do, you know, and I don't believe in marriage guidance, counselling or sort of psychics going, oh, you know, if you don't speak to each other for a few days, that's what we got the other day from dreary old Chloe Sims and that, that strange one, Elliot Wright. And uh, they've been to see a psychic who's been on this morning. So, oh, there you go. That's the credibility. And... Um, and she sort of, uh, she said to them, well, listen, if you, if, if you don't text or phone for about four days, that'll make it better. Then you'll know if you're really meant for each other. Load of old cobbler she's coming up with, isn't it? Load of old cobbler. Trained as a nurse, this woman. No ability whatsoever. Trained as a nurse and then decided to become a psychic. Obviously a lot easier money. Oh, that's what I was watching. That's right. Over the weekend, I'm flipping through the channels as I do. And up she comes. Sally Morgan. Sally Morgan again. <laughs> and there, It must have been an old programme. In fact, I was pretty certain it was an old programme. Oh, she's here, love. She's here with me now. She's here. I did this yesterday. And she did exactly the same, only this time with a dead child. My toes hurt. My toes hurt. Sorry? She's saying, my toes hurt. Oh, don't leave me. And she's doing this whole drama queen bit. You've never seen anything like it. It was, it was, if, if it hadn't been so embarrassing, I'd have written a complaint because it was just ghastly. And it turned out the kiddie at two choked on toast. Nothing to do with toes. But she, oh, and this, and they were there, and then she's here with me now. She's here now. No, she's not. No, she's not. That's what annoys me. That's what annoys me. But uh, anyway, so anyway, the producer's getting married, okay, later this year. So far, he's not actually sort of submitted the wedding list, you know, of things they need, because they don't need anything. Because apparently they're shacked up together in the same place. I mean, it's slightly disturbing. But anyway, so. Um, yeah, living in sin. I mean, separate bedrooms, obviously. And um, but they ha- but they have got cats, and that kind of seals the relationship, doesn't it? Really, cats. You're not going to listen. Nobody's ever going to split up and go. Well, who's actually taking the cats? Sorry, take it. You're not taking the cats. The cats are joint. Well, who's going to look after? I'll I'll look after. You touch those cats. You're going through the window head first. All right. Don't touch the cats. Leave the cats alone. Okay. The cats love me more. No, they don't love me more. They love me more. Look at them. Look. Look. They're with me. They love me. So anyway, so we're talking about the wedding dress. And um, I can't remember how we got onto the wedding dress. We got onto the wedding. Anyway, so anyway, and I, the, the wedding dress she wants, apparently, <laughs> yeah, right, is, uh, is about three grand. So they start searching the internet and they found that they can get it a bit cheaper, about 2,000 something. I said, for a wedding dress? He said, yeah, then we can sell it afterwards. And I said, well, what, you buy? why don't you just rent a wedding dress? 
Surely, because nobody in their right mind... There's no point in buying, you know, for 3,000 quid for one afternoon a wedding dress. You know, and he said, well, we don't want sort of a second-hand wedding dress. I said, you know, well, they do dry clean them in between. They don't just sort of go, would you like to put this one on? And by the way, she was wearing Chanel number 5, you know. And you go, well, I'm using Dearissimo. And so it goes on. And so I said, why don't you just rent the wedding dress? You know, he said, if you buy it for three grand, you can sell it for two and a half. You've only spent 500. So in other words, the person who buys it is going to be spending two and a half thousand on a second hand wedding dress, which is exactly the same as renting the bloody thing. So if you go out there and you went, rent a wedding dress, you know, it'll probably charge you 500 quid and then you've rented it. What do you don't have to worry about selling it on again. You know, because the person who's going to buy your wedding dress has got to have two and a half grand. They've got to be the size. They've got to be the same size. You know, there's all these... Oh, it's so complicated. I said, rent the thing. She's very fussy. Get rid. Get rid. Marry the cats. So much cheaper. They're not going to start demanding wedding dresses, are they? It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning. Sorry, just hang on a sec. Uh, one by back. Oh, trying to sort out your life. It's terrible. Uh, anyway, so trust you well. It's Monday morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, everything you've heard about it. Robin has come back in Luton, the millionaire's playground, the place where you go to revisit your hubcaps. Of course, that was in the day when hubcaps were funny. Nobody has hubcaps anymore, do they, really? And um, and says here, uh, well, I've lost it, actually. Where did it go to? He said, I can't, he said losing an argument to you is an honour. So it should be. I mean, to be honest with you, I've never lost an argument in my life. Never, ever, ever. It's embarrassing, really. Anyway, so just going back to the wedding dress thing. I mean, I'm right, aren't I? I've never been wrong, but I'm right on this one. Why spend 3,000 quid on a wedding dress to then sell it for £2,500? You wear it, but nobody ever... I mean, some people do keep their wedding dresses. What for? Small wonder we've got transvestites in the world, because, you know, the wife goes off to work, the husband goes, I wonder if that fits me. I'm so beautiful. And they put it on the next minute. They're doing a drag act at the local pub, and the wife hasn't got a clue. So they've got the, the dress... Well, they haven't got the dress yet, because it's three grand. I think that's a lot of money. You know, you know, buy, sort of, get get a cheaper dress. Try and push, oh, you don't look very good in that one. You like this one here. This one's much better at one at £150. It's not, I bought a wedding dress. One of my ex-producers and I decided to see if we could buy a wedding dress really cheaply on eBay. Pound. Pound. We paid a pound for a wedding dress and it arrived. It actually arrived. We had a wedding dress for a pound. We looked at it and I went, do you know, if you were just getting married quickly, quids for a wedding dress, you'd throw it away afterwards or sell it for £2 on eBay. But I think three grand is an awful lot of money. Especially when you're not going to be wearing it for very long. Rent. You can rent some really beautiful dresses. And then it's so much easier. Then they just come and take it away afterwards. They don't have to worry about it. But I think spending that much money is... You know, because you've got to shell out the money to start with and then hope you sell it afterwards to somebody who A, likes that style, and B, they're, they're exactly the same size as you, which is a bit, un, bit unlikely. Anyway, apart from that, it's Monday the 9th of March. Hello. I have to say that in case there's any tourists listening. Hello. We always talk to babies like that, don't we? Hello? I don't know why we say that. But babies looking at us going, you are quite mad, aren't you? Uh, apparently, Tracy says, Chris Christopherson and Johnny Cash were great country and western singers. Yes, Johnny Cash was. I would, uh, Chris Christopherson, so-so. I was a bit so-so on him. Uh, uh, Trevor says, I love the conversation with Jimmy Somerville. Wished it could go on a bit longer. I've had lots of, uh, lots of feedback on Jimmy Somerville. Really. Sam Smith's in the papers today. He's a gay pop singer. There's quite a few gay pop singers, you know, over the years. And they all feel the need to come out and say, I'm going to change it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Because there's a story in the paper today that says that a lot of gay pupils in school are bullied by the teachers. One of them, an 18 year old boy who's HIV positive, said, um, you know, we didn't have any teachings at school. But, um, you know, and if we had, then I wouldn't be HIV positive. And I thought, well, 
I don't think it works like that. I mean, most people are fairly intelligent. You know, if you have unprotected sex, there is the danger that you could pick up all sorts of diseases and illnesses. You know, and, uh, you know, you don't have to have sex education to know that. That's just called common sense. Common sense. But Sam Smith has said that he's going to, uh, you know, try and make sure that people don't get bullied at school. It's a huge thing. You're never going to stop it. Never going to stop it. You know, it's always going to be the case, isn't it, that there's going to be one one gay pupil in the in the school and everybody's going to know exactly who it is and uh, and they're always going to get bullied. Everybody gets bullied at school. It doesn't matter if you're gay, straight. It, doesn't, it really doesn't make any difference. Everybody gets discriminated against at some point in their life. Uh, Ron says, whilst walking through Regent's Park, did you see the giraffes? Uh, we see the camels. Uh, giraffes, I, I have seen a giraffe before. I know what they look like. Have they got giraffes at Regent's Park? I'm trying to think, actually. Oh, yes, they have. Yeah, that's around the other side, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, we've seen those. Um, I've been to the zoo early in the morning to see all sorts of interesting things, which uh, which is quite wonderful. I enjoy it. I enjoy going there, actually. And I, before you start going, oh, you know, the zoo, oh, it's terrible, animals in things, a lot of these animals are bred in captivity. In fact, most of them are bred in captivity. And they're looked after, and they use them for uh, research and they use them for, you know, producing their own. So it's, I mean, it's, they do a lot of worth, a, a lot of worthwhile things at the zoo there. It's not just, you know, animals in cages, you know, which isn't like that at all. And they're building this huge new lion in uh, enclosure. Sounds fantastic, actually. And um, after the wedding, Steve, they could sell the dress to that man who complained at the shop because they wouldn't let him try one on. Do you remember that bloke who goes into the shop and he wants to try a dress on and they go, it's not really for you. And so he makes a complaint about it, which I thought, which I thought was quite funny, actually. Uh, Graham at Western Fruit International Market. Are we well? He says, I'm now going to make you very envious. <laughs> if, the, if I wasn't on air, we could do some very funny gags. He says, March the 31st, I fly business class to Dallas, then on to New Orleans for two days. I'm then hiring a car and driving to, is it Tupelo? to see Elvis's place of birth, and then on to Nashville for another two days, Tootsie's Country Bar, which is great, the Grand Old Opry, the Rock Hall of Fame, and then finally on to Memphis, staying at the Peabody Hotel, then Graceland, Sun Studios, Beale Street, Civil Rights Museum, a trip on a steamer up the Mississippi. Done it all before, but I never get fed up. And you can be sure I will be listening to you on my iPad. I shall probably send you a report. I don't, Graham, I don't just want a report, I want photos. I've seen those um, those big Mississippi steamers, and I like things like that. That sounds great. You're right, actually. That has been, It's not made me too envious. I don't, I, don't, I don't suffer from envy from anything, unless somebody's got a Rolls-Royce Phantom listening at the moment, in which case then I will have car envy. But uh, I like the idea that you're just doing it for the right amount of time. Anything longer, I think, would be awful. I'd love to go to New Orleans. And I'd love to see Elvis's place of birth, and I'd like to go to the Grand Old Opry, the Rock Hall of Fame, to Graceland, the Sun Studios, the Civil Rights Museum, and, and going up the Mississippi. That sounds ideal. That sounds like a really expensive holiday to me. That sounds like you're not going to get much change out of... What What for that? Nine, nine grand? Nine thousand? I don't know. Because you fly... Oh, wait a minute, you're flying business class. Is it a thing done through the airline? Is it, is it a, a BA thing? Or are you going with another... Are you going with Virgin or something like that? You're right. See, look, I'm turning into an envious person. I don't want to be envious. I don't like being... I'm not envious of anybody. Somebody wrote to me once saying, oh, you only slag all these celebrities off because you're jealous of them. I'm jealous of nobody. Never been jealous of anybody in my entire life. Unless they're slimmer than me. So luckily I'm okay at the moment. Uh, But uh, no, I'm never never envious of anybody. I've I've never been envious of anybody's money. 
you know, I'm, I'm envious of people who can eat loads of nice food and don't put on an ounce of weight. That you could say I was a little bit jealous of. But the rest of it, no. No, I slag celebrities off because they deserve to be slagged off. You know, if they've been awful, as you know, we had that uh, ghastly Dan Osborne the other day. Now, you remember Dan Osborne, don't you? Let me just refresh your memory, ladies and gentlemen, of how revolting this person is. This is a bloke who is a nobody, total nobody. And they put him on The Only Way is Essex. Sorry to, I know it's a repeating, but, you know, whatever. Keeps you awake. And, um, and so he goes on to The Only Way is Essex and he's, he's a good-looking bloke with tattoos, which means he's going to look really naff when he gets a bit older. And, um, and he goes out with this girl, then they split up, then they get back together again, then he gets her pregnant. It's the usual kind of thing, and she has a baby. The moment she has the baby, the relationship finishes, and he takes up with somebody else. He takes up with an EastEnders actress. Within a very short space of time, she's up the duff as well. So now he's got two babies. And the first girlfriend, he becomes vile to. He threatens to knife her. You sleep with anybody else, I'm going to knife you. That's what he says. And you can hear it on The Sun's website. It is the most awful thing you will ever hear. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm sorry, but anybody who is violent towards women, as far as I'm concerned, they don't deserve anything at all. You know, he has no means of making an income. Because if I was somebody who was thinking of employing him for something, after hearing that rant which she recorded, and there's another one as well, I'd have dropped him like a ton of bricks. He's been suspended from TOWIE. And so he should be. How could you ever have anybody on that programme who threatens violence to a woman? Who threatens to not just sort of slap her around a bit, but to knife her. To knife her, ladies and gentlemen. I was speaking to Stig yesterday, whose paper ran the story. And I said, he said, have you heard the things? I said, I haven't heard, but I've seen the, the transcript. He said, it's horrendous. But anyway, he's been suspended. Now, that's what I call a vile person. Dan Osborne is a vile person. He wrote 180 four pages or words, it probably words, I didn't know he had that many words, uh, apologises, say, oh, well, I was in a very bad place. I really couldn't give a stuff, actually. I really couldn't care less, I'm afraid. I don't think there's any excuse for stuff like that. You can write, you know, and sob, and your tears can stain the paper, but it doesn't wash with me, I'm afraid. And he said, um, you know, thank you to all our friends who've supported me. <laughs> really? What, they support the knifing of a woman? What a bunch of dodos you've got hanging around you. Anyway, he's gone on holiday now. Well, let's have a guess where, shall we? Abu Dhabi? Dubai, generally the sort of place those sort of people go. And uh, anyway, he's been suspended. I hope he doesn't work ever again. I really hope he doesn't work ever again. I mean, that's, that, that's, how, that's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. Because I think you just can't do things like that. I couldn't care less what place you've been in. He's quite clearly, you know, a retarded 23-year-old. 23, pretending he's an adult, but really he's got no idea of being an adult. And the moment in this day and age you start saying things to people, they just push one button on their phone and it records the conversation. And with a bit of luck, you can get them caught on camera as well. And it's, you know, it's just wrong. You don't speak to people like that. You know, I don't care. You know, he's, he's obviously thought long and hard about it. And somebody said, you better do some damage limitation. I'd love to see the letter. Love to see the letter that he's written apologising to sort of family and friends and the people of Tau who he's let down. Grow up, silly boy. Grow up. Nothing worse than an idiot on a programme. And I'm afraid Dan Osborne is a prize idiot. Could use a bigger word, actually, than that, and there's two of them. 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. I suddenly realise, actually, there's, there's loads of stuff. Dean says, I've been to America three times, Brazil, Tobago, and Cuba. Actually, I've been to America loads of times. We, we've done the, uh, the coastal route. You know when you drive from uh, Los Angeles to San Francisco, you do the Route 66 kind of thing, and you go around. It's lovely for the first bit. But then after you've seen, you know, waves, you know, it's, it's great. It's lovely. The coast is great. And we stayed in... Where was that place that Clint Eastwood was the mayor? He was the mayor of some place. And uh, we all 
stayed there. Well, I say we all stayed there. There was three of us. So we booked into a day's in. And he was the mayor. Carmel. Thank you. I just remembered it. Carmel. We stayed in Carmel. We had hot chocolate in this place and fried chicken. And it was really fantastic. Carmel by the sea, California. And we went to the aquarium and they had rays, you know, stingrays. And you could touch them and, and, you know, like you do or not, as the case may be. And I thought it was great. And we went to San Francisco and San Francisco was horrible. I thought it was dirty. Have you been to San Francisco? Dirty. Dirty. The sort of the good end, and then you've got the gay end, which is the Castro, which is really dirty. It looks like it's stepped out of a... Everything in America, to me, looks like it's part of a film set. It's like, how do they stop... Sorry, how do they stop the trams going up and down in San Francisco? The answer is, they take the brake off. To stop the trams, they take the brake off. Because the cable cars, the cable runs under the ground, the brake is on it, and so for the car to move... He pulls the brake on and that clamps it onto the cable and off it goes. It's lovely. I mean, you have to, if you've never been to America, go. Because you won't be disappointed. It's as big and as majestic and as impressive as you ever think it is. Everything you've seen on the movies, it's even better and bigger. And that's why when, uh, when Graham from Western Fruit Market goes there, he's already, he's already done it so he knows where everything is. And that's what makes it better. How lovely. What a nice holiday. That's what I call a good holiday. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Are you well? I only ask out of a courtesy. I don't, I don't really want medical details coming back. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, you're right. Probably not much change out of £7,000 flying business class with BA. But I don't care, says Graham, at the age of <coughs> whatever it is. He says Paul Cooper could always lend me a few bob if I run short. <laughs> There's a thought. There's a thought. He had three, three days... Actually, Graham, without uh, John, because John's girlfriend had to go in for, for an operation. She wasn't too well. And then Paul Cooper's not very well at the moment either. Ridiculous. Steve, why hasn't Dan Osborne been arrested? Verbally threatening somebody's life is a criminal offence. Yeah, the police have decided not to take it any further. But if I was running TOWIE, if I was the producer of that programme, I'd have I'd been off the show. I find that even... I mean, I can't think of anything that's worse than threatening somebody, I'm going to knife you, I'm going to do this. He called her every name under the sun. Go, if you go to the sun's website, you can hear it, and you would make the same decision. I mean, if that is genuinely him, then he deserves never to work ever again. You know, you, you don't, I couldn't care less what state his mind was in. I couldn't care less if he was drunk or anything. I'm not really bothered. I'm more interested in the fact that it, it came out of his mouth. That's what worries me more on these things. So if I was running TOWIE, uh, suspended, yes, dumped, absolutely. And anybody else should be dumping him. I mean, to be honest with you, I think he's something to do with Attitude magazine. They've employed him as their personal trainer or something. I remember seeing something like that. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, a man who is that violent to women featuring in a magazine? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, I want to make sure that the, the, these people have dropped him before we go any further with it. Because I'm not interested in an apology. If you seriously think nowadays you can actually, you know, make an apology and it's all, well, that's OK then. That doesn't matter. Well, then, no. Absolutely no, not at all. Uh, more on these schoolgirls who left Britain to join the Islamic State militants. Somebody yesterday on LBC was uh, saying uh, that they'll go over there and it'll be fine and uh, then they'll either get married or have something and then their life will change because the, uh, the ISIS militants, they treat women really badly. And I did say on the programme, three girls who leave Britain, we don't want them back here, thank you very much indeed. Not now that they've, uh, they've got these uh, strange thoughts you know, it's obviously some sort of sick illness that they've got in their head. And they've gone over there. I think they think it's going to, oh, we'll be in Syria. The men will go out, do murdering. Then they'll just come back in and I'll cook supper. You know, I think they are so naive. They are so incredibly dumb. 
that they have no idea what repressed women in Syria have to put up with. They've got no... They're so stupid. They're so stupid and so thick. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you stay there. You've made your bed, you lie in it. It's as simple as that. Um, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Let's try and weave in uh, some more of your text and email. I will go to the papers in a, in a moment because there are some stories in there. Not a huge amount of stories. Not a huge amount of stories, but, there, I mean, there are things in there. It's this, uh, this murder as well, actually. And... Um, uh, when I say murder, it's the uh, the murder of a dog. Prize dog has died. They think it's got poisoned meat. They're having a toxicology report, and then they will have a better idea. Uh, Cheltenham. Doesn't Cheltenham drag all the old low-rent people out there? It's a bit like Liverpool at Aintree, isn't it? Where they all go out there. Colleen, uh, Colleen Rooney. <laughs> Goes out there with all her chavvy friends. And they all dress up wearing these really expensive clothes, which make them look cheap. And uh, they go there, and, you know, she'll be doing her little bit... And they'll go, oh, love you, love you, Colleen, love you. <laughs> oh, dear. Corrie actor Alan Halsell has risked the red light from the show bosses. He's plugged his brother's car repair business on Twitter. He plays Tyrone. He enlisted his celeb mates to drive followers to Mechanic Stephen's new firm. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. But um, a Coronation Street source says, as it's Alan's brother, and he makes that clear, he's simply being supportive, so it's unlikely he'll be spoken to about it. They're very funny, though, about um, plugging anything. You know, the, uh, the Coronation Street people at one time, they couldn't even go out and do pantomime because they said, we own the character. So, in other words, he doesn't own Tyrone. That's owned by Coronation Street. And they are the ones who decide whether or not, you know, you're, uh, you're going to be doing anything. Martine McCutcheon is, uh, has given birth. Not bad for a bankrupt, is it really? And uh, she's flogged. Sorry, she's uh, sold. Sorry, she's uh, she's uh, given the pictures to Hello Magazine. She said, "I've never been so in love, so content, and so full of happiness." I know I'd be happy if she paid uh, bills, you know, and tax and stuff like that. So every time I turn on the television, another grinning picture of Joe Swash on there. Another one who's bankrupt. These people they just can't be bothered to to pay any tax. Uh, Margaret Thatcher knew about uh, sex abuse claims against Cyril Smith. When he was given a knighthood, but still allowed him to receive the award. Perhaps these people thought that it was never going to come up. Now, I did point out to you yesterday that you can say anything you like about Margaret Thatcher and Cyril Smith. They're both dead. And there is... No, you can't libel the dead. So you can say anything you like about them. And so they claimed that she knew. She was warned, giving him the gong, risk damaging the integrity of the honours system. He died aged 82. He was handed the knighthood in 88. Died in 2010. And uh, they reckon that Margaret Thatcher knew everything about it. And lots of people have tried to keep these, these documents secret. Uh, Simon Danzuk, that's the one with the, uh, the wife that you know about, accused Cameron and Nick Clegg of trying to keep the damning documents secret. He said they've colluded in covering it up. Well, I'm sure that that'll probably come up in Call Clegg this week on LBC. But, um, but I mean, it was obviously going on in Parliament, but I don't think it was, it was unique to Parliament. I don't think it was unique that there was a gay MP. There's still gay MPs in Parliament at the moment. How do we know what they're not getting up to or getting up to? And the answer is we don't. Because they sort of, they, they close ranks, don't they? They close ranks and they make sure that you don't, you don't know everything that goes on inside there. I'm not sure I want to know everything that goes on inside there. Really. Um, the Vatican has revealed that a £72,000 ransom demand to return two papers by Michelangelo has been rejected. A cardinal refused to pay because they are stolen documents. 
They were stolen in 97, but they never mentioned anything. They're in another closed shop, Vatican City. Very closed shop. Joan Collins. She is now at the age of... What is she? 81. They say she looks 20 years younger. And um, she does look very glamorous for 81. But there again, she's always done her makeup. She told me she can get ready in a matter of minutes. Literally. And she said, you have to enjoy life. I live totally in the present. I've never had any health problems, but I do agree with Dignitas. And uh, she's married. As you know, she said, I watch my weight because I'm quite bosomy. If I don't, I look like a lump. And the hair is all wigs and everything else like that. I mean, I shouldn't imagine. Now, that would be the picture, wouldn't it? To get her without the wig on and to see what she looks like without makeup on. And the answer is, she would look like an elderly lady of 81. But because she's in show business, she knows exactly, you know, how to look. She's not blessed with height, but she's, she's glamorous. You won't see Joan ever looking... Anything but glamorous. (laughs) Seriously, I know it sounds really ridiculous. But I promise you, you know, when people come into LBC, they don't necessarily have to come in here. They don't have to dress up because it's a radio interview. But I promise you, I've never had anybody who's really badly dressed. Nobody. I'm the worst dressed person there. I am the worst dressed person. Everybody else looks fantastic. (laughs) God, I wish I'd never said that. Um, What else we got here? There's a petrol addict. Found high on fuel, Robert Stevens had previously been given an ASBO for his behaviour after drinking petrol. He was freed from prison. He went back to drinking petrol again. I know, I can't believe it either. But uh, people do. He was staggering about. He bought a gallon of petrol. And he was drinking it. Petrol! That's like, a lot of people drinking meths. But to be honest, I don't... I don't feel quite ill even thinking about it. That's like drinking bleach, isn't it? Why would you ever want to drink petrol? Ridiculous. Punters are set to gamble. 250 million this week on Britain's top racing festival, Cheltenham. I shan't be. I don't do anything like that. I do gamble occasionally, but I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't bother that much. Uh, old Westlifer Mark Feely needs to watch himself when Beyonce's around. He almost did himself some damage the last time he saw her in concert. He's launching his solo career with the single Love is a Drug. Last festival I was at was V. When Beyonce was headlining, he said, I think I nearly broke my back. He's also got a business, hasn't he? He's got a bit... We must get him in, actually, I think, because he has a business. He does crepes. I think he does all the all the concerts and the stuff like that. So he's obviously doing quite well. And um, he said, my name is Marcus on my birth certificate, but we call him... Oh, right. So, see, we just know him as Mark. But... Um, he says, my name is Marcus on my birth certificate and passport, but my parents called me Mark for ease. On my album, it'll say Marcus Fihili. But when I introduce myself on a radio station, it'll be, hi, I'm Mark. It's not serious, like, don't call me that again. Isn't it funny? His parents call him Mark, and yet they christened him Marcus. Oh, odd that one, isn't it, really? I was christened Stephen. And my parents called me Stephen. It was a, I always thought I was in trouble. If ever anybody calls you Stephen all the time, you think, oh, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, missing flight MH370 in all the papers today. They say it may have had a fault which has stopped it being found. I don't know how we can lose stuff. You know, something as big as an aircraft, you lose it. And then you... Th- so what hope? If they lose aircrafts, you know, when they have planes that go down, they go, and so why can't they find somebody bobbing around on the sea in a sort of a yellow lifeboat? And the answer is because they can't. If you can't find a plane, you're never going to find somebody just bobbing around on the ocean, are you? So, a uh, little bit of a worry there. They say there was a fault, but as I say, they can say anything. But as long as they keep looking for it, because there are relatives out there and family, and they want to know where the grave is of their loved one. 
The Christian football clubs in the paper states folded. They've had a lot of trouble with racism. Uh, the Apple Watch is formally unveiled today. There's a gold version of it. Sounds quite nice, actually. Uh, high above London, a man hitting the dizzy heights of Parliament. He's a 20... His name's Braden Anderson. What sort of name is that? Braden? Where's that come from, for God's sake? Anyway, he managed to get onto the House of Parliament. He's been charged with criminal damage and trespass. I mean, to be honest with you, should we charge the police officers down there with failing to do their duty? After the balmy weekend, get set for Gales. The single gay man whose mother gave birth to his baby said, I don't care what you think. I wanted a baby, I've got one. And that's about the attitude, I'm afraid, nowadays. Coins as well are falling out of fashion. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up to four minutes past five. It's Monday, the 9th of March. We're racing through this year. We really are. And Easter is just around the corner. There's murder at Crufts. A dog has been poisoned. But where and why? Big questions in the papers this morning. Uh, The Apple Watch is formally unveiled today. The Christian football club that's folded... The relatives of flight MH370 vowed to keep on fighting until the plane is found. Uh, Now we have the definitive answer of why we hate Mondays. More than a million animals still used in medical tests at top universities. Margaret Thatcher knew of Cyril Cyril Smith's abuse claim. An 11-year-old to be told what rape is. Too young or not? It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. And it's nice to be company. I trust you well this morning. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, It's Gales. Around the uh, around the corner, and then it'll be barbecue weather. And you know what barbecue weather means, don't you? Arguments, arguments in the family. People, you know, start you know totally irrationally going out there, dusting off the barbecue from last year. And you look at it and you think, let's go and eat out. Let's not bother doing a barbecue. But we seem to like it. We're sort of real rubbish at barbecue. We don't really have the weather. The Australians are the past masters at it. We just follow on about fifth down the line. We're terrible. You know, barbecues. Oh, lovely. You could actually go and cook sausages. And uh, and steaks and burgers. Not really steaks, though. Most people just do burgers, don't they? And they go, oh, who, who wants a burnt sausage? But, yeah, oh, burnt sausage for me. That's what people like, isn't it? Because most of the food's rubbish. Rubbish on barbecues, it really is. But we seem to enjoy it. I don't know why. It's it's the British psyche, I think. Uh, we take all your texts and emails. 84850, steve at uk. Proof if proof were needed from a man and a woman who know exactly what good taste is. And that's Bryn and Annie over there. And Annie says, Bryn has nagged me into sending you another email to say how much we love your book. It really is a great read. I just wish that the people to whom you refer should dig into and get the truth about their assumed celebrity, but with a small C. He says, I hope it sells a million. Well, if we keep going the rate we're going, it's, 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 it could be likely. He said, you say you envy no one. Well, you may get a tinge of envy of we too. As for 20 years, we owned a house in Florida. Four bedrooms, aircon, own swimming pool, the lot. And we used to go there about five or six times every year. He said, virgin, of course, because I was a friend of Richard Branson. We went all over America and estimate we've been to more than 20 states. Favourite town anywhere is Colonial Williamsburg where we once spent Christmas. I did three lecture tours over there and loved every single second. Sadly, flying became a bit of a problem with our increasing age, and we sold the house, but we still get regular emails and calls from our neighbours. Went to New Orleans, had breakfast at Brennan's, and learnt that Louis Armstrong was known locally as Louis Armstrong. No Louis. And we also saw a parade of the Ku Klux Klan. 
horrible. He says, I don't want to try and make you a wee bit envious, but Annie and I think you would have loved what we did. Now we're back over this side and love listening to the chatter. Again, great book. Thank you. Yes, I thought so as well. I think it's, uh, it's a piece of advice for people, people who uh, think they're a celebrity or people who aren't celebrities or people who want to be celebrities. <laughs> I think it's advice for all of those people there. And uh, somebody talking about the three girls over there. I mean, incredibly stupid, incredibly naive, incredibly, incredible. I don't know what you can say about them. They're apparently living in a house with a woman they met on the internet and they think this is the way forward, do they? Quite clearly, as I said yesterday on the programme, they don't give two hoots about their family. They're not remotely interested. The family quite clearly didn't know anything about them at all. The school failed them by not sending out and saying that one girl had already gone to Syria. You'd have thought the school would have mentioned something like that, but apparently they didn't. Uh, They didn't appear to get any feedback from the girl's friends. Instead, the family chose to blame the police, who have admitted that maybe they were wrong to send the letter just to the girls because they're so devious and so underhand that they didn't even bother showing their parents letters. But then we all had that at school, didn't we? But I'd take this letter home to your mother. What if it? Take it home to your parents, get them to sign it for us. You should think, oh, I'd rather not know. Rather not know. How sad, says Paul in Manchesterford, how sad that the woman in Parliament complained about being called love. As you say, that's normal here in sunny Manchesterford, as it is Chuck. All right, Chuck. All right, love. That's what people say. But obviously, she's so, you know, sort of deep-rooted in her own sort of psyche that she's failed to understand. That's what people call people. He said, maybe a trip to Yorkshire where they call everybody Flower. Remember Charlie Williams? Hello, Flower. Oh, yes, I remember him very well. In my time in Derby and Nottinghamshire, regularly called Duck, Ducks or Ducky. And that was just from the blokes. Jackie told me to tell you she's checked herself out of the hospital and now is in another one. Do you know, she's been in there since before Christmas. It's gone on for ages and ages. I mean, December the 1st, she went in. December the 1st. So, uh, further updates soon. Paul says love to her from the usual suspects. And actually, we have a birthday today as well. We have a birthday of, uh, of Winnie. So, we'll do that a little bit later on for you, Winnie, because I'm in that kind of mood today. Catherine in Qatar says, I took my dad to see Sarah Brightman here in Doha last year, as he's a huge fan. The whole concert was themed on space and astronomy. The songs also had a space theme. It was spectacular. Slightly odd, but spectacular. Yeah, the producer was saying, do you think it's likely that she uh, she could have made 35 million? I said, absolutely. You know, she's been working, you know, I've made 34 and I've been working a little bit longer. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if you said that? <laughs> and I went, no, seriously. <laughs> Here's dreary old Callum Best, ageing Lothario Car- Callum, 34 years old and still not a brain cell. Um, apparently has uh, had constant money worries. I think he's been bankrupt, hasn't he? I believe. Anyway, he's kissing his girlfriend. Her name is... You have to laugh. I'm sorry. Her name is uh, Ianthe Rose Cochran Stack, 23. And he's in Abu Dhabi. And there you go. So still hasn't learnt a thing, has he, really? Still the same plank he was before. But luckily, they've got their own photographer with them. So you get pictures of her standing in the surf. So she's obviously glamour model. Something like that. Got to be, hasn't she, with a name like that? Uh, Also, um, a teaching assistant has now been suspended after allegedly using a pupil's email to send a bomb threat. God knows, what, I mean, where are we getting these people? And here she is, the most vacuous woman on the planet, the very dreary and attention-seeking Kim No Talent Kardashian. And uh, wearing another peculiar outfit. She really is very odd. She's dyed her hair platinum, and um, and that's all you can say about her. She doesn't actually do anything. She just sort of goes to a place here, and then she comes back from a place, and then she goes somewhere else. Uh, the pop star who's vowed to fight the bigots. I came out at 11, says Sam Smith. Now I'll help gay kids. With what? 
What do you mean help gay kids? Do you think kids need help? No, no they don't. They just need a bar to go to. I think they seem to be fairly happy with things like that. Uh, the safest place to go to in this country, the world's safest city, uh, is York. Apparently Bath, Edinburgh and Brighton were also considered particularly safe. You're having a laugh, aren't you? Brighton, particularly safe. There's some man just fallen off Brighton Pier and died. How can it be considered safe? Cairo is the most risky. I don't know. What do you reckon? Anywhere in Syria. Bangkok, Istanbul and Marrakesh were, after Cairo, the cities deemed least safe, from 42 in total. And uh, they polled about 2,000 adults. And they just, uh, they just sort of asked them. I love the music giant Sony, uh, which wants Louis Tomlinson from One Direction to discover its next big girl band. What does he know about it? He doesn't know anything about it. Was it this, wasn't this the one who was going to buy his local football club, Doncaster Rovers or something? And, then, and I remember saying at the time, that'll never come to anything. <laughs> was I proven right? Absolutely. Never came to anything at all. And of course, Sony own half of Psycho. Psycho, the record label, owned by Simon Cowell. He has 50%. Sony have 50%. It's a deal done. And, uh, and as Louis Walsh... Sorry, as Louis Tomlinson... Put Louis Walsh, I'm so sorry. Uh, as Louis Tomlinson uh, is with Psycho, because he's part of One Direction, uh, they reckon he could discover the next big girl, but what does he know about them? He hasn't got the faintest idea about anybody, has he? He just goes round there and does his little singing on a stage, and they all walk in different directions, and then, um, and then they sort of fly off, and then they go and do something else. He doesn't, doesn't know anything about that at all. Apparently... Um, he, Louis has set up his own production company with a view to following in Simon's footsteps. Oh, God, you just love it. Simon must be sitting there going, yeah, of course you have, love. Of course you have. Oh, sorry, you can't use the word love, can you? <gasps> so sorry. Pop it. Pop it, OK? Sweet cheeks? <laughs> Cutesy? Oh, no, she, she doesn't like it at all. <laughs> yes, I'm, yes, saying love on air has just got me fired. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That is terrible, isn't it, really? When you can't say things like that. Something that's, you know, Billy in the Fat. Hello, love. You know, to your next door neighbours. Or I call people Pop It. I even type Pop It. And it's not, you know, it's not patronised or anything like that. I just call people Pop It. But uh, apparently this, uh, this MP, it's degrading to women. Oh, go away. Dreadful. Uh, Vince uh, in Japan got my book sent out to him there. He said, I really enjoyed reading. He said, I just wish it was a bit longer. Well, actually, it probably could have been. Probably could have been quite a bit longer, but it had to fit into a remit of, uh, of those style books. Because you know that uh, a number of LBC presenters have brought out uh, books. My, my, mine's the one that I think appeals to the lowest common denominator, because the one thing we talk about nowadays are celebrities. Um, uh, Dean says, Elvis's birthplace isn't really that great. I sat on the porch chair and that was it. Graceland, nah, Nashville... Uh, absolutely. Oh, do you like Nashville? See, I'd like to go to any of these places. The one thing I want to go to the Kentucky Fried Chicken that does the piece of chicken with the hot dog in the middle. That's what I want to do. How bad am I? He says, I used to work with a bunch of guys in Western International Market. He says, say hello to my old mucker from there. Does he remember Frumar? Long gone, says Dean. Well, there you go. See, it's like two-way family favourites, this, isn't it, really? I do, I do like it. Uh, I've been to Graceland twice, says Trevor, the first time two years after two traumatic liver transplants. Uh, the trip is with the UK fan club, every moment magical. Highlights the meditation garden where Elvis and his family are buried. Uh, a definite bucket list moment. Actually, didn't they say they didn't think Elvis was buried there because they've spelt his name wrong? Aaron, as opposed to Aaron Presley. And they spelt it wrong, so they go, that's the clue that he's not actually buried there. 
It's still, apparently the house is so much smaller. I've seen the, the documentary. The house is much smaller than you imagine. It looked bigger because it had the, uh, the columns on it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, Sharon works for Waitrose. She said, you refer to the staff being very slow. You could grow a beard in our one in Twickenham. There's no rush at all. Seriously, it's like, it's like stepping back in time. It's like somebody slowed the film down. No rush at all, no. Really, I mean, they just grind to a halt. That's what they're like. She says, uh, she says apart from your negative comments regarding us hard-working staff, I never mentioned you at all. Never mentioned you at all. I mentioned the staff in, in Twickenham, Waitrose. I never mentioned you at all. You have to be very careful on things. You know, I don't mind, Sharon. I'm fairly easygoing. But, you know, when you're actually putting words in my mouth that never came out of it, then I get uh, a bit angry. So I've never mentioned the hard-working staff. You, I've only talked about the very slow staff on the tills at Twickenham. I've impressed on you about 500 times. You're a bit out of date. But she says, I think you're fab. Well, you're not allowed to use the word fab. It's banned on this programme. You can call me love or poppet or anything else, but certainly not uh, not fab. And uh, news? Oh, yes, news, of course. Quarter past five. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. Nick and the team this morning on LBC. After seven, the number of foreign criminals on Britain's streets has grown by 20%. The Home Office is under fire for failing to deport them. The reason they're losing the battle, human rights, people refusing to say where they come from. The mother who killed her three disabled children whilst in the grip of a major depressive episode has been granted weekend release from hospital to visit her husband and daughter. Is that right? Max Foster, the anchor and London correspondent for CNN, is looking at the papers today. That's all with Nick Ferrari after seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I'm Steve Allen. Nice to have you company for our early breakfast every morning between four and uh, 6.30. Thank you, incidentally, for downloading the Jimmy Somerville and Tony Robinson. Sir Tony Robinson for In Conversation this week. Somebody said I had no idea you could download the In Conversations. Absolutely. They're all available. Once you've taken out a subscription from as little as £2 a month, you can download everything. If you have a really busy session, you can download everything. You get to keep it all as well. And uh, there's every celebrity known to man going back years and years and years. Phil says, I hope the man who drinks petrol doesn't smoke, be like a fire eater. Um, yes, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I've never heard of really drinking petrol. Um, another one here. Oh, dialysis Linda, still in hospital. God, blimey, I'll do, I get no end of people in hospital. Perhaps I should be available on the NHS. But uh, She said, I went to Niagara Falls. Beautiful. Then you turn round and it looks awful. It's as bad as Blackpool Seafront. Yes, it's the, 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 it's the same picture they take all the time, isn't it? And, 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 and oh, another one was talking about um, uh, Roland, who says, I'm addicted to drinking brake fluid. But it's OK. I can stop any time. Boom, boom. That's it. Um, Rose says, I watched Magician Troy last night. Amazing. Any thoughts? Um, no, he's just another one of a breed of magicians who come out every so often. And uh, he's doing very well. They're all there. Dynamo. I've just sort of watched Dynamo growing from child up to uh, adult. Stephen Mulhern's got a new show on magic coming out very, very soon, which I shall look forward to seeing. And hopefully we'll get him in for in conversation. Uh, Agnes in Ryslip, 81 years young today. Not been feeling very well. I think you could perk her up, says Gillian. Tell her we all love her. Well, there you go. Well, she knows that already. Dom and Dom says, I was 53 on Saturday. <laughs> 53. 53, honestly. I live in hope of being 53. <laughs> Neil in Fulham says, I bought your book, which is a great read. Are you doing any book signings in London soon? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I don't know. They haven't, uh, they haven't told me. If they, if they do tell me, I'll be the last to know. Mark in Salisbury says, I always enjoy the In Conversations. Yesterday's were exceptional. Tony Robinson, to share with friends, his love of books and libraries was inspirational. And uh, I was so glad I continued listening to Jimmy Somerville. Yes, that was a very good conversation. Dean reckons that Louis Armstrong was known as Satchmo. He was. And, uh, and the more... I hear, says Paul, about the runaway IS girls, the more I think just spoilt and immature. I'm also surprised how we seem to know exactly where they are and not intercepting them. They can stay over there as far as I'm concerned. We don't want them back. Thank you very much indeed. Definitely not. Go to Graceland's. Go to Graceland's. And you can see Elvis's two Rolls Royce Phantoms. One white and one black. Cooper's strawberries were to die for at the, uh, at the weekend. <laughs> so there you go. John will be back in the uh, in the swing of it for this morning. Uh, also, spared jail, a couple in the paper today. This is a mother and daughter. They were working the disability benefits scam. A pair of uglies, if ever you see them. Wendy Perry, who pocketed... She was working for the NHS. That's how fraudulent they are. Spared jail. <sighs> I'm sorry, I wouldn't be as lenient. Uh, her daughter, Nicola Manson Perry. Yeah, double-barrelled means even uglier. Raked in 20 grand over nine years while working as a hospital accounts clerk. They denied benefit fraud but were found guilty by juries in two trials. See, liars as well. Liars as well. They thieved, you know, £50,000. One was given nine months in jail, suspended for 12 months, and the daughter was given a 34-week sentence. Suspended. Why? Why suspended? Send the old bags off to prison. Perhaps I can lose the weight over there. But apparently the judge said he had sympathy for the mother who worked for the NHS because she had a long history of health problems. Yeah, and she's also a thief. What's that got to do with health? Nothing at all to do with it. The prosecutor's now pursuing a confiscation order. Apparently, one of the women had to uh, had to hold on to a wall for balance. Again, there's lies, and then there's the uh, benefit fraudsters. But, uh, you should discuss with your mother how you're going to pay back the debt to the state. Well, just go round and take everything off her. She had 20 grand, and the mother had 30. Let's take everything. Let's go round there, take the television, the cars, anything you've got. Dishwasher, that's out. Let's sell all of that. I'm not wasting time with these people anymore. They're thieves. They're thieving from you. They're thieving from me. Uh, Mohammed Mwazi has apologised to his parents for bringing shame on the family. Really. A little bit late now, isn't it, sweet pea? Far too late, I'm afraid. Far too late. And nobody believes a word you say anyway. The mother knew it was you all the time. Very strange. Uh, Albert says, these three daft girls will be welcomed back modly coddled by an army of equally daft and misguided social workers who will treat this episode like a school trip and then sod the rest of us. No, definitely not. Definitely, we won't want them back in the country. You think they're going to come back here? You know, harbouring the thoughts that they've got? No, thank you very much indeed. No, thank you. Let them stay over there. In fact, I tell you what, let's pick up the parents and the rest of the family and dump them over there as well. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, LA route to San Francisco is the Pacific Coast Highway. Thank you, Joey. I, do, I can never. I always remember Route 66 because in the back of my mind I've got the song Route 66 uh, playing. Uh, Cameron is right to stand firm on televised debates. Do they do anything? The televised debates? Are we interested in them? I think it's an opportunity to actually see just how good they can perform. Somebody was having an argument the other day. Was it uh, Andrew Pierce was talking to somebody about who looked like the Prime Minister? And he said Cameron looked like the Prime Minister. He looked like the Prime Minister. And that's why the others, he said, didn't look like the Prime Minister. And then other people were saying, well, do you think that Boris will actually get in? And people were saying, actually, probably not. Probably not. But we don't know, do we? The one thing we do know that you've got to do is you've got to get out there and vote. And we'll give you every opportunity. Education Secretary Nikki Morgan is the one who's accused her Labour counterpart, who is Tristram Hunt, of calling her love. 
Apparently, he allegedly made the remark during a parliamentary debate. Mrs Morgan raised the comment when asked about sexism in Parliament to mark International Women's Day. And a Tory source said of Shadow Education Secretary Mr Hunt last night, he ought to think what sort of message it sends out to young girls in the classroom. What? What, for calling somebody love? <laughs> Blimey, get over yourselves, for goodness sake. In the interview with Sky News, Mrs Morgan also defended David Cameron against accusations of sexism, calling him a feminist. Oh, blimey, what a patronising woman you are. But uh, apparently then um, uh, Angela Eagle uh, had said something and he said, calm down, dear, and then he said he was sorry. Mrs Morgan denied the comment showed that the P- PM was an innate sexist. She said, I have to say that uh, there are no Lib Dem women in Cabinet. What's the matter with people? I mean, it calls somebody love. That's quite normal, quite normal. Known for remaining tight-lipped about his personal life, Andy Murray, <gasps> yawn, and yet uh, he seemed too happy, only seemed too happy, to let slip details about what his Davis Cup teammate might have been getting up to off-court during a TV interview. Asked how the team would celebrate following victory over the United States yesterday, Murray replied that Dominic, Dominic Inglet has a little girlfriend on the go here in Glasgow where they've been playing. Unfortunately for Inglet, he already has a girlfriend of six months at home in London. When the Eurosport presenter Annabel Croft asked for a name of the lady in question, a mortified... Uh, Inglet says, you've actually landed me in this because I actually have a girlfriend who's going to be watching this. Dear. It's so funny, isn't it? Awful. And uh, a spokesman for the Lawn Tennis Association dismissed this stitch-up as pure banter of just guys messing around together. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. (laughs) How hilarious. How hilarious. Uh, Here he is, the person who's divided the country. I don't think he's divided the country at all. I think most people think he's an idiot. The single gay man whose mother gave birth to his surrogate baby has divided Britain, but his mum insists and him they've done nothing wrong. He said, I don't care what people think. Well, there you go, arrogant as well. My baby's loved, I'm happy and nothing else matters. Of course, the fact that he works in a supermarket and, um, you know, doesn't look as though he's got enough money to actually support a child and it's going to be dumped off on his mother and various relatives to be looked after is a wee bit embarrassing, I'm afraid, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's not remotely bothered by what you think at all. Got baby. What baby? Give me baby. Give me baby. You know, without even thinking about, can I afford a child? You know, what are you going to do? You're going to sort of take it into work with you? No, it's going to be dumped off on somebody else. Pitiful start in life. You must love the child. I'm sure you do. Amanda Platell says, uh, sorry, this man doesn't have a right to be a dad. No, I agree totally. I don't. I absolutely agree. And what's so uh, disturbing is his sense of entitlement. Why should his right to be a parent be uh, inalienable. What's about the rights of an unborn child and its future happiness? You know, here's Daddy. Now Daddy's going off to leave you for eight hours every day. You know, ridiculous. It really is. Um, the other story in the in the paper was about the uh, the three teenagers killed in a crash three days after the driver passed his test. I mean, it's just too risky. Kids get in cars now, and there is the danger that if somebody's only he only passed his test, I think literally a matter of days before. He was driving a green VW Golf, ploughed into a black Golf estate, coming the opposite direction, killing the grandmother. So he takes all his friends. You can imagine, nobody's sitting quietly in the car, yeah, woo, doing all this kind of stuff. And three of them were killed. Gone. Snuffed out like that. There was another two boys who died in a car as well. After the car in which they were passengers hit a tree, George Wharton and Reese Baker were killed uh, when the car they were in was said to have been overtaking another vehicle at high speed. The 21-year-old driver was seriously hurt. He apparently just went round picking up boys. He said they'd been picked up by their uh, by this driver without their parents' knowledge. They'd just get into a car. He apparently was sort of either he was offering it cheaper. 
his, his Facebook was for his friends. He'd say, you know, I'm cheaper than a taxi. So these people get in it, and uh, now the parents are going, what do you mean they just got in it? They just got in it. It's as simple as that. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 26 minutes to 6 Monday morning. And uh, Winnie, a very happy birthday from little Julie. And uh, Noreen echoed that one as well. And I've just, I've just lost the text. There's so many flooding in this morning. I shall, I shall find it in one second. Just, just bear with me. Being, being Monday. Monday, things are all up because over the weekend... 60s music. Says Noreen, a friend in Washington sent us tonight some music from the British Invasion Tour. Billy J. Kramer, Denny Lane, Mike Pinder. Sounded great. Similar tour starts very soon here. So we're seeing it in Watford. Why do you try and see a show? You'll love it. Oh, I love stuff like that, as you know. It's the only things I can sing along to. My, uh, my godchildren's parents bought a new car the other day. And it's a Cherokee Jeep. And they were listening to all the music. Of course, the, the stations they've got in are all our stations here. And they were listening to one of them. I've never, I've never actually listened to it of an evening time before. And it was all sort of, it was a lot, of, a lot of disco music. That's the best I could describe it. It was probably house or culture. I don't know what it is. But anyway. Uh, Noreen says, uh, can you wish Winnie a very happy birthday today? Many happy returns of the day. I feel a bit sorry for Graham Smith's wife, the cricket star. He, uh, he, he wanted a divorce uh, unfortunately, he accidentally sent her a text message meant for his lawyer. And so she got it, as opposed to the lawyer. The former captain of Somerset in South Africa allegedly sent the message to the Irish singer Morgan Dean. Minutes after insisting he wanted to save their marriage. Uh, unnamed friends of his wife told a South African newspaper that Mrs Smith... Wait for this, you're going to love this line here. Brace yourselves. Mrs Smith, a former backing singer for Jedward. A former backing singer for Jedward, good God, was devastated. Uh, they also accused Smith, who retired last year, of abandoning the family to go partying. The couple have uh, a two-year-old daughter and a son age one. They announced their separation two weeks ago. It's not good, is it, really? Not good at all. I love the backing singer for Jedward. Keep that one quiet. Uh, the worst, uh, The world gets its first uh, proper look at the Apple latest gadget tonight when the company launches the first smartwatch. About 220 quid. So it's probably doable. Uh, it boasts a range of lifestyle functions, promising to open your car door, buy a coffee and even track your heart rate. The company hopes it'll have a winner on its hands, even though sales of the rival products by Samsung, LG and Sony have been sluggish and many smart watches have a notoriously short battery life. This one, we're actually told, is two hours to charge up and it'll last all day. That's what they've said, because it's the battery life, isn't it, that you're more, more interested in. Uh, £220. You see, the trouble is, because... Samsung, LG and Sony have got them out and the sales have been sluggish. Do you not think that maybe Apple's uh, audience are more discerning and they will buy into Apple? You know, if, if you have an iPhone, you're going to buy into Apple and you're probably going to buy into this smartwatch. I'd like to see it. I've got no intention of buying one. Mind you, having said you watch because I've already got a watch. I don't want another watch. Thank you very much indeed. Um, uh, Joey says my whole wedding only cost two and a half thousand pounds. See, you can do it cheaper. He says, and then we showed a friend, my wife, uh, who's a seamstress, pictures from a magazine, and the woman made the dress for cost of materials, which is amazing. Uh, Nick's up, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning. That's Nick with no K, just a small C. And Danny says, I've just started reading a rather good book by one Steve Allen. That'll be the chat show host, will it, in America? <laughs> Simon's happy to be part of the 4am spike. Dean O'Shea. Who lives? I think. Well, I think he lives actually. I don't. I don't know where he lives actually. I was just going to. I was just going to say, Dean. I'm so sorry that you live in Blackpool. I don't know why I thought that. And uh, MJR, 
is listening late in Florida. Annabelle has made a cuppa and is settling down for the programme. It's the best way to listen to this programme. Uh, Rick listening as well. And, uh, and everybody else who's joined us for this morning. The British jihadi girls now living in the ISIS stronghold. Uh, the warning has gone out to them. They, they won't heed the warning because they're, you know, they have got no idea at all that jihadi brides are oblivious to the reality of life under the terror group. Once they've got there, uh, they will be powerless to escape. They will be. They will be used and abused. Um, and Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, the other day, said that it's it's just ridiculous. 22 women, they fear, have gone to Syria. 22. You see, you'd think it would be a huge number, but it's only 22. And he said that um, they will face sex abuse at the hands of these deeply misogynistic militants out there. But then they must have known that beforehand. They must have known that beforehand. They're living in a stronghold. As I say, any any ideas that they might have of, you know, well, we'll just do a little bit of cooking, then we'll pop to McDonald's and go and have a cup of coffee in the local Starbucks. Take that idea out of your mind straight away. You're talking about a bunch of psychopathic murderers who would have no hesitation in killing anybody. Men, women, children, they don't care. They really don't care. It's as simple as that. Uh, big stretches of the Lake District countryside have been put up for sale. And some really nof- nice pieces here. It's being sold by the National Park Authority. Locals say it uh, would have Lakeland poet William Wordsworth turning in his grave. There's one here. There's a glacial lake popular with swimmers. You can buy it for 30 grand. See, I quite like to buy a glacial lake. A glacial lake. How exciting is that? But, I mean, I just don't think. Anyway, last week the House of Lords stepped in to urge the government to halt the sale. All bids are due in by this Thursday. There's also uh, Blee Browse, an area of shoreline along Coniston Water, which boasts beautiful views. There's also Waterside Knot, a woodland home to red squirrels. 90,000 for Blee Browse and 130 grand for Waterside Knot. So putting, I don't think they should be selling it. I don't think they should. I think it's owned by God. I think it's us. And they're now predicting that Tony and Sherry Blair will get divorced because they have uh, completely separate lives and uh, she's around occasionally. But uh, he's, he's been close to other people. Of course, now he's rich as creases. He's been around the world. And, um, and she's... I don't know, though. How many children do they have? Is it four? Five? I can't remember how many children they've got. But um, I don't know. I wonder, really... Of course, two of their sons work at Blair Towers. It's become a little industry. She wrote a book that practically got remaindered immediately. And, uh, and their daughter, Catherine, who's now a barrister showed some musical curiosity in the early uh, 2000s. Alistair Campbell was asked to contact Chapels, the music instrument supplier, to track down a suitable instrument. Campbell suggested to the head of piano sales that the company might care to donate a baby grand piano worth several thousand pounds. The head of piano sales dismissed the request, telling Campbell in no uncertain terms he could come in and buy a piano like everybody else and put the phone down. What, after a freebie, Mr Campbell? Shocking. Shocking. Coins are falling out of fashion. Nobody's using coinage. I've got... Loads of coins. And apparently London buses, well, they do, uh, no longer accept cash, meaning you've got to load up an Oyster card or buy a ticket before travelling. The bus driver the other day was naughty. Whether it was legal, I don't know. Woman gets on the bus and she puts her Oyster card on. It goes beep, 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 which means there's no money. Tries it round the other way. Beep, 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 beep. Turns it backward. Beep, 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 beep. In the end, he just says, I'll go and sit down. And I thought, Why? She hasn't got a ticket to travel. I've got a ticket to travel on this bus. She's not got a ticket. I should have actually stood up and said, I'm an inspector. You're suspended. OK. Are you allowed to do that, bus drivers? Dan, is that how it works? Is it because what happens if, if a ticket inspector gets on and says, but she doesn't have any money on her car? Why did you let her on the thing? How does that work? 84850. Steve at LBC.co.uk. Crisis at Kids Company. Directors have quit. 
Amid uh, an apparent row over funding, Kids Company has received about 30 million quid. It's also got Richard Branson, Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, set up by this lady, Camilla. In 1996, supports 36,000 vulnerable children, and it's been championed. You can't miss her because she wears all these big turbans and everything else. I've sat next to her for lunch, actually. But now they've got people here uh, who have left... She was just recently voted one of Britain's most powerful women. How could she be powerful? I don't quite understand that. I suppose it's quite a good thing. But uh, she says that the charity was well run but lacked funding. Uh, critics have questioned whether it's overstaffed. They employ around 600 people. Good God. Good grief. 600 people. It's a lot, isn't it? And uh, here they are. Here they are. This is um, Electro Velvet. Yeah, I know. I'd never heard of them either. How they got voted in to be our entry for Eurovision. They've done lots of interviews in the papers where they've talked about, uh, you know, here we are, we're your Eurovision entry. We've had to keep it quiet and it's all secret. And I'm thinking, well, that's the best way to keep it. I've heard the song. And um, apparently the lead singer, Alex Lark, is the lead singer of a Rolling Stone tribute band, uh, Bianca who failed to make it through the blind auditions in the last series of The Voice. They've never performed together um, live, but they were chosen to sing on May the 23rd. The track has been met with mixed reaction. I mean, we've not won since 1997. We're not going to win with this one either. But it might be quirky enough to get Europe interested. But there again, nobody likes us. They don't mind taking our benefits, but they don't really like us. So why should they bother voting for it? And to be honest with you, I mean, how can they be voting? You know, how, how did they get in? I didn't vote for anybody. I didn't vote for anybody at all. And yet they're representing me. Me. With the Eurovision. I do love the Eurovision Song Contest, but I don't think we've had a hit single for donkey's years. It's a shame. I was watching, who was I watching the other day? Janet Street Porter. The old woman has bagged herself a programme with Brian, uh, one of the chefs, and they go around the country sampling British food. She just becomes immensely irritating, even more irritating than on Loose Women. And he sort of cooks up some fantastic food. And uh, she just talks about, you know, anything that wanders into her mind. It's all a bit vacuous. But anyway, he was cooking yesterday pork. And it looked absolutely... With, with, with crackling on it. But he did it in like a barbecue thing. And it seemed to cook fairly quickly. Uh, but he was cooking apples. He just cut up chunks of apples, put them in a frying pan with a bit of butter, and then poured on this apple brandy over the top of it, which he got from Amplethorpe Monastery, where they make their own booze because they've got apple trees. They've got about 40,000 trees or something. Whatever it is, it's very successful. And so he made these apples and was just sort of caramelising them to have with the pork. And it looked delicious. And then he did, it was almost like a sort of a, a bread and butter pudding, but it went with the main course, didn't go with the dessert. And he put it in there and it, everybody was saying it tastes absolutely delicious. And I've just been looking at a recipe in one of the papers today, just to make myself feel quite ill, of a fruity crumble with custard. And it's got, you know, Bramley cooking apples, conference pears. It's got also, it just looks absolutely lovely. It's just a delicious. If there's one thing I absolutely adore, it's a crumble. You can never get a decent crumble anywhere. And crumble with, with cream or with ice cream or with custard would have to go down as one of, one of my favourite desserts. I like all sorts of things. Posset. I adore posset. Absolutely adore it. And I've, I've bought it a few times, but unfortunately, it is just sugar. Teresa says, Celia Imry doesn't mind a wolf whistle, but doesn't like being called love or dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's a bit of a shame, isn't it, really? I think I called her dear. 
Or hello, pop it again. I think, especially if I've done them before. <laughs> uh, eight for eight five. Oh, happy birthday to Winnie. Thirty nine. Obviously, says Kevin the Milkman. I wonder if the three girls in Syria have romantic ideas of an IS fighter coming home from the front line and taking them in their arms, Mills and Boone style. He says I've just driven past their school. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're deluded. But then I said they were deluded the first time they disappeared, and the family, of course, even more deluded. Oh, you know, come back, our beautiful girls. You've not done anything wrong. <laughs> If ever they come back, I think you'll be finding out just how wrong they've been. I don't even want to go there. Quarter to six. Alan on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Ten to six, Monday the 9th of uh, March. I was tempted to do a, a piece in uh, that's in one, a lot of the papers day, well, one, uh, about uh, a DJ who got stuck in a lift on his way to doing his gig. So he, he's getting on a little bit now. And I can't help feeling that was obviously music lovers who everywhere had decided to turn the lift off. Because when they prized open the doors, they were facing a brick wall. Our lift at home has gone as well. We're having immense troubles with it. Uh, millions of Britons are suffering Sunday somnia. Is this you? Sunday somnia. This is where you dread the working week. So on Sunday evening, you climb into bed and you can't sleep. You're tossing and turning. Monday morning looms large. 56% of you who were sleepless on the Sabbath get less than four hours. Me, in bed, gone. Straight away. I've never had any trouble sleeping. But seriously, people say to me, said, do you not find no, no difficulty at all? When I climb into bed, I'm generally at the, at the end of my tether. I just want to, just please let me go to bed, please. I could so, it's like driving back down the motorway on Saturday. I seriously could have closed my eyes and I'd have had the biggest accident of all accidents. But I, I just decide that, you know, I love my sleep. I absolutely love it. So when I, when I climb into bed at sort of half past six, quarter to seven of, an e- of a weekday, I'm out within seconds. I know that lots of you suffer from sleep uh, deprivation and I know that you've got all sorts of problems. But now it's called Sunday somnia. And it's the fear of going to work on the Monday, obviously having a job that you don't like doing or, you know, the boss is going to be sort of phoning you up or saying you've got to do this or you're being bullied at work or you just don't like your job anyway, but you've got to do it because there's nothing else on the horizon. And I always think I must be in a very, very fortunate position that I actually do bounce out of bed in the morning. I love it. I can, I can sit in front, of the, in front of the telly in the morning with a nice big cup, cup of coffee and, uh, and my little shaver. Well, it's quite a big shaver. And, uh, and actually start thinking about what I'm going to be doing on the programme. I don't analyse it. Don't, don't sort of get me into that situation of saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this and that, because I've got no idea until I open up the morning newspapers. Uh, Fraser says, what a brilliant idea, Steve, urging all jihadists in England to leave. Why don't the government just sort of run adverts saying, why don't you leave the country now and go to Syria? And then once we've got them out, then we just don't let them all back in again. Seems fair enough, doesn't it? Uh, they were all out yesterday, and they were uh, campaigning. Uh, 600 feminists marching for equality. It was International Women's Day. And there was uh, Annie Lennox and Paloma Faith. I don't know what Paloma Faith was where She looks like she was about to go and join the circus. And uh, Faith says it shows how important it is for women to stand together and fight for each other's rights. Sounds a bit archaic, doesn't it, in this day and age? Sounds a little bit archaic. And, and I don't know what, actually, only 600 women turned up. That's a bit of a poor showing, isn't it? Poor showing. Uh, one million animals. Don't want to upset you this morning, because this is the one that, uh, that usually used to get people going. They're still used in medical tests at top universities. Uh, so a million animals every year either give up their lives or get injected with all sorts of things. Um, however, 
Uh, I know people nowadays, they used to say that animals were injected with things for the cosmetic industry, but if you think about it logically, we wouldn't have insulin or drugs to combat AIDS if they hadn't been tested on animals. And uh, blood transfusions, that was done in 1914. Uh, Insulin, 1921, when they made that uh, that staggering discovery. Breast cancer, the drug uh, tamoxifen was developed in the 1960s after tests on rats, mice and dogs. Alzheimer's vaccine. Mice have been used in recent promising trials to find a cure. Modern anaesthetic, the general anaesthetic, sodium uh, theopental, was developed after tests on rabbits, rats and dogs. And I suppose they have to be, don't they? I mean, I I used to know a uh, hospital uh, in the country and they had an animal laboratory and you had to go through all this security and screening and everything else. And they did have uh, rats in cages and they had monkeys and stuff like that. And they did experiments. So still we're using them. A million animals a year. That's quite, that's quite a staggering amount. Quite a staggering amount. Uh, lots of them have defended their, uh, their use. Lots of the animals are injected with toxic chemicals resulting in severe disability. So London's King's College, Imperial College, uh, Oxford, Cambridge and Edinburgh universities... Uh, all use animals, and they do tests there, so there's a million of them. A million seems like a huge amount, doesn't it? Absolutely an enormous, an enormous amount. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Uh, a couple and his wife have been awarded some money after police raided their wedding because they thought it was a sham marriage. This is Neil McElwee, 28, and Chinese-born Yanan Sun were arrested at the register office as 70 guests gathered at a hotel to celebrate. And so they've... Uh, this was in Derry in Northern Ireland in 2011, and they finally got compensation. £21,000. £21,000 is what they say is the acceptable amount. He says, no money can make up for spoiling my wedding day. I'd have thought, actually, I mean, apart from spoiling it, I'm sure it's terribly traumatic and all the rest of it, but I, I sort of think that, really, it gives you something to talk about. You know, they actually thought we were a sham wedding. Uh, but we've got £21,000, and, that, and that's when you sort of think, well, it was kind of worth it, wasn't it, really? Uh, today, after a bright start, the weather, thickening cloud from the west, wind strengthening. I said it was going to be windy. During the afternoon, a band of mainly light rain spreading across the area. Ease at times, all parts cloudy. Uh, the high today, 11. At the moment, it's 5 degrees. Tonight, after a cloudy start with some light rain, skies will clear from the northwest after midnight as the wind eases. All parts will be clear by dawn. I've said it's you're going to have gale force winds back again. Plenty of sunshine tomorrow. Well, that's nice, isn't it? Having now soaked your car, tomorrow it goes dry. During the afternoon, the cloud will thicken, but it should stay dry still. And Wednesday, running through to Friday, Wednesday, cloud increasing, strengthening winds with rain into the south, moving northwards. Thursday, cloudy and windy with occasional rain, brighter at times in the east. And Friday, cloudy, cloudy with occasional rain, ladies and gentlemen. So there you go. Not too bad, is it? I mean, you can cope with a bit of rain. We're British, for goodness sake. It always rains in this country. I don't know why we're always surprised when it rains. It's, always, it's, you know, it's wet. It's wet. As a birthday present for, uh, for Winnie, we're going to see... Uh, Lee Memphis, King in Concert at Richmond Theatre in May. One of the best Elvis impersonators going. Full orchestra and backing singers. Wow. Is he an, oh, he's an Elvis impersonator. Of course he is. Does, does he look like him or does he just sing like him? That's quite a good thing. Do you know Richmond Theatre is having quite a, quite a number of these uh, these sort of concerts which go down very well. People love sing-alongs and everything else. And you will be singing along. Absolutely. Uh, Steve, I don't mind being called dear, sweetie, 
honey, uh, love, pet, poppet, sweetheart. But when somebody calls me madam, usually in stores, I just cringe. I hate it. And I always say, please don't call me that madam. Good morning, madam. Can I help you? Morning, sir. I get sir a lot. I've had madam occasionally as well. And uh, only 600 women could turn up, Steve. All the others were at home cooking lunch for their husbands. Now, you know we'll be in trouble for that. Goodness sake. And um, I was watching this documentary, Steve, on Niall Rogers of Chic and Sister Sledge fame. And I was staggered how many people he's worked with. He did Bowie's Let's Dance, Duran Duran's Reflex and Wild Boys. And early Madonna's hit after hit. Yes, all these people do, they, they do work hard. They have to. They were asking what had happened to Culture Club, you know, after Boy George had sort of messed them around for the umpteenth time. Um, and uh, one of them was, I think, Mikey or Roy was doing producing. He was doing jingles for the television, all sorts of things. You've got to. You've got to. And uh, then you have to um, you have to actually sort of stick with it. Uh, I can't understand, says Andrew, why Apple are launching a stupid watch, which is ergonomically impossible to use with its software. Because it's, and that's, and the reason, well, the reason people will buy it, and I think it'll do better than all the other, because it's Apple. It's, it's Apple. It's 220 pounds. There'll be people queuing up today to go and try and get hold of this watch, even though you can't get hold of it today, I don't think. But, uh, but they will be launching it and they'll show you and people will go, oh, and people will buy it. It's 220 pounds. The last time I was in picking up my, uh, my big Apple iPhone, my huge Apple, which everybody comments on how big the text is on it. And uh, so I bought that. I mean, the people in front of me, they were three Russians. And they bought, what did they buy? I think they bought, one, two, three, they bought six phones, which presumably they were then selling on because they bought six covers for them, six screensavers, everything else. Uh, feeling a bit sorry, do you remember the weasel the other day? We were explaining just how vicious weasels are out in the countryside. And there was the weasel who picked a, a flight on a woodpecker. It, it jumped onto its back It was because the woodpecker was on the ground. The weasel, it was only a baby weasel, and it, it tried to sort of get uh, get hold of it. And uh, it didn't really expect the next thing which was going to happen, which was the woodpecker took off with the weasel on back going, whoa, and then obviously fell off and was and was fine. However, all did not go particularly well the other day. I don't know if you've ever seen herons. Herons are out there and herons have... Uh, evil eyes. We lost all our fish in the pond to herons. It sat there, opened its wings and just ate them one by one. But the story of the paper today, I shall have to tell you the other side of the news at six, which is next. There's murder at Crufts, the dog that was poisoned at the show, they think. Who would have done such a thing? The Christian football club that has folded. Relatives of flight MH370 vow to keep on fighting. They want answers. Margaret Thatcher apparently knew of the Cyril Smith abuse claim and yet carried on giving him awards. Over a million animals using medical tests at top universities. 11-year-olds are going to be told at school what rape is. And what a surprise, marry before having your kids and you're less likely to split up. And how could a man climb onto the roof of the Houses of Parliament and stay up there for eight hours? Where were the police? That and more. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC, 
morning, everybody. Five minutes past six. It's Monday. It's the 9th of March, and you're very welcome to LBC. The relatives of those who lost their lives on flight MH370 have vowed to keep on fighting. They want the plane found. How likely it is remains to be seen. Coins are falling out of fashion. Uh, Joan Collins has said she wants to die with dignity. She's 81. She looks fantastic. £35 million is what Sarah Brightman's going to pay for a ticket into space. Seems a heck of a lot of money, doesn't it? Callum Best. Oh, forget it. Uh, Apple have unveiled, or will be unveiling, their watch formally today, and there's murder at Crufts. And how could a man climb onto the roof of the House of the Parliament and stay there for eight hours? Beggar's belief. And just in case proof were needed, when I said I saw somebody on the bus the other day who got on and her card didn't work, and it goes beep, 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 and the bus drivers normally know, but he let her get on the bus. Uh, Joey says, many drivers don't want the hassle of arguing with somebody over fares. I hate that, and I'm very strict. Uh, because the technically, you're not allowed to let people ride for free, but if a revenue inspector finds somebody on the bus, they find the bus company, not the driver. Because it's just, I mean, it would be easy to fiddle it, wouldn't it, really? Just let somebody on the bus. Because this, this is a woman, she went, thank you. And I thought, but she hasn't got, you know, I've paid to be on the bus. Well, actually, I don't, but that's, that's another story. But, I, you know, I have got an Oyster card. I do pay to go on the trains, things like that. If somebody travels for free... I remember being on a, on a train once and there was some, uh, some unruly youths on there and the inspector came out, checked my ticket, didn't bother with the youths at all. And I then thought, you know, that's a bit naughty, isn't it? A little bit naughty. Uh, so here's the... Uh, I must go back to the, the weasel who picked the fight the other day uh, and hitched a ride on the back of a woodpecker uh, tried to bite the neck. It was only a baby weasel. Unfortunately, one the other day made a big mistake. Bit out of its depth when it attacked a heron. Because weasels, little tiny thing, heron up there. And you can see the marks on the bill uh, of, the, of the heron, which literally just picks up the weasel and dunks it into the water and then swallows it whole. Simple as that. I don't know how long thing. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure how it works. If the, if if herons swallow something like a weasel live, unless it was trying to drown it first and then swallowed it, and uh, I just wonder. This was on the Isle of Sheppey. Somebody obviously sat there and waited till they got a good picture of this, knowing that it was it was going to be happening. And you ask yourself the question. I mean, so does it go down its throat alive, and then can it sort of crawl its way back out again? I don't really know. I don't really know, but whatever it was, it met its match. Little tiny weasel, ten inches long, and uh, and huge heron, not uh, not messing around at all. Sorry, mess around with me, bite my beak? I don't think so. <laughs> the other story is in the papers today, and I'm sure somebody somewhere in LBC will be discussing this later on. The eleven-year-olds are going to be taught what rape is, and they're going to. I have explained to the the difference between rape and consensual sex under new plans revealed by the government. I can't help feeling that 11 just seems a tad young, but that's just me. These pilot classes could be brought into English secondary schools by Easter. That's this year. Amid concern, the youngsters are coming under mounting pressure to have sex, along with the surgeon's sexting and the uh, the prevalence of porn. Children will be able to taught how to recognise and respond to sexual pressure, coercion and manipulative techniques, including lying. What, at the age of 11? Lord. The question of consent when the woman is drunk will also be tackled in eight concept classes, which will, uh, which will form part of the personal, social, health and economic education syllabus combined by the Department of Education. I don't know, does that not seem way too young? I'm sure there'll be some people who think it's a brilliant idea, educate them, because they seem to be growing up a little bit quicker than I suppose we did. 
But uh, but 11 to start talking about, you know, when, when they know. I remember saying, you remember we were talking about Billy Elliot. And in it, uh, the children in the cast have to swear and use words which I wouldn't be allowed to use on this programme this morning. And I said to the uh, to the producer, you know, did you explain to them about using these words and the fact they were bad words? He said, no, they knew them already. And it's quite... They do. I tend to forget that my... Uh, that my... Uh, Godchildren knew all these words. They knew them a long time ago. But because they hear them at school, you can't just sort of say, you know, oh, you know, mummy doesn't, mummy, mummy doesn't swear, but daddy swears. And Uncle Steve occasionally swears. But I'm, I'm very mindful when I was around the kids. But sometimes they say something and they laugh. And so that's, that's the difficulty, isn't it? That you, they don't know. But they all seem to, they all have computers. They've all got tablets. They can all access everything. Probably what they don't realise is that mummy and daddy can check the history of the computer and see exactly what it is um, that they've been viewing. And that's the danger. So perhaps 11 years old isn't too young to learn what rape is. But do you think they actually understand it? You know, trying to teach the difference at 11 years old between rape and consensual sex. I mean, that's, that's really difficult, isn't it? Really difficult to try and explain to somebody. You can explain it to them. Whether they understand it, that's another matter. Uh, we'll go through the... Uh, the uh, the papers in a moment. There is another story of a, a rape attack on a teenager, which ties in with the last story here, who was left dead, left for dead, in a pool of blood, is now being treated as attempted murder. This 18-year-old was dragged from a bus stop into a garden and subjected to a serious sexual assault that left her needing surgery. Uh, this is in West Yorkshire, in Leeds. Um, a considerable amount of blood was left at the scene, uh, Chief Inspector Belton, that's Elizabeth Belton, says we're treating this as attempted murder because she's been left for dead. The attacker, an Asian man in his early 20s of slim build with dark receding hair, may have been left with blood on his hands and clothes. And uh, no doubt they will find him. There's all too many of these cases, isn't there? Now, all too many of these cases. And uh, generally speaking, the police can sort them out as quickly as they can, because they'll find somebody who is caught on CCTV. We all complain bitterly about the state of CCTV, but it does come into its own. That, that young man who was murdered for his bicycle and uh, caught on CCTV, one 18-year-old gave himself up immediately and then told that the, uh, the other ones were these people. And so uh, one has now been charged. Uh, 84850, Kevin the Milkman says, may I suggest saving the lives of rats and do tests on lower life forms? There are about 625 of the lowest at a certain Westminster address next to a Big Ben. Yes, it was. Oh, dear. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, more of your texts and emails, which we'll weave in. I'll go through the uh, the front pages of the uh, papers for you this morning, just so you know exactly what people are going to be uh, talking about a little bit later on today, uh, including the uh, the carnage. Three days after passing uh, a road test, he goes out uh, with his girlfriend and a few other people, and they hit a car coming in the opposite direction. The woman hit in the opposite direction, I think, was 68, and... Um, and you do ask yourself the question that when somebody has passed a test now, does, does that test really mean that you know exactly what you're doing on the road? No, because you've kept within the speed limit. The moment you get behind the wheel and you've taken off your L plates, that's it. All hell breaks loose. So Rodri Miller took his girlfriend and his best friend for a cruise when they were involved in this collision on a mountain pass. I mean, did anybody teach him how to drive on a mountain pass? Anybody who's been driving for years will tell you, professional drivers, that you learn on a daily basis. Not so much how bad your driving is, it's how bad everybody else's driving is. 
I can go down the motorway and I can seriously, I, if, I was a, if I was an unmarked police car, I could take at least 20 cars off the roads in front of me. One of them undertook me and then swerved straight out into the overtaking lane and then came back in again to come off the motorway. And you think, where are the police? And the answer is they're going to be making such huge cutbacks. There won't be any police very shortly. There'll be nobody out there. So these, these three, you know, teenagers died three days after passing his L test. I mean, should not somebody have said to him, listen, go out there, but just be very careful, because they don't. The, the grandmother who died, Margaret Chalice, was a passenger in the other car. Seven teenage boys who were in the other vehicle had been arrested on suspicion of dangerous driving after the accident in an area known for road racing. Kids go out road racing, and then the parents go, we can't believe that they've lost their lives. It's just absolutely ridiculous. They go out road racing. We see them in car parks, bad-mouthing the police. And you think, it's because these idiots are out there. I think there should be something. I know you can get these letters that you put on the back of a car to signify it's a new driver. But if they're trying to be flash, and they're trying to sort of show off in front of other people, then accidents happen. And unfortunately, accidents can turn out to be fatal. In this case, four people died as a result of somebody's stupidity somewhere. We'll probably never know. Uh, We'll run through the other pages of the uh, papers in a moment. Also, the Atlantic storms, which they say could sweep into Britain. And having a healthy heart and good circulation could be the key to beating dementia. All of that and more coming up on LBC. The time now is quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Just in case you're trying to get yourself ready and you're thinking, I'll just have another five minutes. Just a, that fatal five minutes where you just... I did this morning. I've got three alarm clocks. Now, believe you me, I don't need three alarm clocks. I generally wake up before them. But this morning, the first one went off because it was obviously set to a little bit earlier than I thought it was. And so I was, I was feeling so tired after yesterday. I think I'd had a bit too much sleep. I then I turned it off and I thought, I've got about another 30 minutes. Well, of course, you just can't sleep for another 30 minutes because you, my body goes into an overdrive system where it's don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. If you miss it, you're going to be in big trouble. So I didn't. So I stayed awake and felt even worse. So if you're thinking of getting up at the moment, you know, if you need to get that trait, I know it's great to go for the extra few minutes in bed, but I promise you, you, you won't feel any better at the end of it. You really won't. Uh, 84850, David Ing Crouch End, said, uh, so Thatcher knew about the Cyril Smith gay abuse claims, did she? Well, they're alleging... Well, I say, no, I don't even need to say the word alleging. It makes no difference. She's not with us anymore. And yet she presided over the outrageous anti-gay Section 28 invalidating our lives. And as a gay man, he said, I should know. Still wanted our taxes, though. Oh, yes, not so invalidated. We had to go on paying those. He says, um, he said, still, not all bad news. At least she's not with us anymore. I praised that down a little bit, as you can imagine, David. I thought that the language might have been a little bit too hard-hitting for this time in the morning. But it's true, though, isn't it funny how... Well, not funny, but it's, it's so strange. And we were talking about this exactly. And if you want to hear what it was like for somebody growing up to be gay, listen to the Jimmy Somerville in conversation. He came down from, from Scotland at the age of 17, working as a, as a rent boy. Not intentionally as a rent boy, but it was the only way he knew to survive. And uh, it's very... You know, he had people in the gay... in, in, in the press who wouldn't write about him and his music because he was gay. So, you know, it was, you know, people got sort of outed. There were all sorts of dreadful things going on. I can remember there was, I remember a feature on the front page of one of the, one of our major papers where somebody had had a, a coffee cup banged out of their hand by somebody because they said, you're gay. And they, and they didn't, I don't want to pick up AIDS and all that kind of stuff. The ignorance that was around at the time was phenomenal. Everybody knew about Cyril Smith. Well, apparently they did in Parliament. 
and uh, and yet she still gave him an award. And now they're saying it's been covered up. What else has been covered up? What else has been covered up? Are there papers within Parliament that they've said, no, you're never going to find out about this because we've got some ruling on it that you can't touch it for 50 years? You know, if it's something important like Cyril Smith, exactly what did they know about Cyril Smith? Exactly what evidence did they have? We know that he'd been arrested. We know that he'd been questioned. But then the word came down from whoever, and that could have been the Prime Minister, we have no idea, and all of a sudden he was released. The police were furious. Absolutely furious. So what else did they know? Nigel in Parliament Square. That's a good place to be. He says, the secret of a jolly splendid crumble, assuming you've got the recipe right, is to cook it separately from the fruit in a roasting tin, spread out quite thinly and cook on a high temperature. It looks and tastes magnificent. No, don't, because it's just, I'm, I might have to go and buy crumble today. And I've never seen a really good crumble that's got loads of fruit in it and only a little bit of, I don't want too much crumble, because the, the ones that you buy, they've got a little layer of thin pureed fruit and then loads of crumble. I don't want that. I want loads of fruit and a little bit of crumble at the top. But they go, ooh, then the price would be prohibitive. Well, make the price prohibitive. I don't really care. Nick Ferrari and the team, he's going to be talking this morning about the foreign criminals on Britain's streets growing by 20%. The reason you can't get rid of them, they've either destroyed their passports, they, don't, they, they won't tell you where, where they come from, or failing that, they've, um, they, they, they've actually got uh, human rights issues. They found all these lawyers now. Who would say, oh, don't worry, I'll actually uh, look after that for you. Don't need to tell them anything at all. You can stay here. We've got a runner here, haven't we, who, uh, who absconded and he can't go back home for various reasons. And so now there's been an online thing. They've raised £20,000 to keep him in the country. When we've got murderers, rapists, paedophiles all over here, none of them should be here, but you just can't get rid of them. It is ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, other stories on the front pages of the papers. I've done the road carnage on the front of the Metro. Murder at Crufts, the champion dog who's died after being fed poison while competing at, at Crufts is on the front of the Sun this morning. David Cameron vowed to bridge the gap between Westminster and ordinary Brits during a tea time meal with a family of Sun reading floating voters. Sam Smith, I was punched in the neck by anti-gay thugs. And so he's vowed to make life a little bit easier. How he does that, I've got no idea. Uh, front page of the Daily Mail this morning. They've got uh, murder at Crufts, £50,000 top dog killed by poison meat. Homeowners should consider fitting CCTV to trap burglars. We've got CCTV at home. We've got loads of CCTV at home. We've got about 16 cameras at home and a hard drive. And uh, it's brilliant. It's, it's, I find you, I do tend to find it's a little bit depressing when you're actually watching it because you, you sit there and you watch the camera and ours flicks over every seven seconds because there's so many cameras onto the, uh, onto the quad screen, which is split up and then there's another screen as well. But at least it records everything and it's always very handy. So when you can, you know, you can watch somebody vandalising your car or trying to break in, at least you can go, oh, look, we can see that person. But uh, because they're nighttime cameras and daytime, they're very good. And so the mail are saying here that uh, people should have it. It's so cheap now so cheap to have it. I'm not saying that it's going to be admissible evidence in court, but it's well worth, uh, well worth getting. Uh, the Daily Mirror today, Cheltenham, £250 million on bet frenzy. I never understand people who go excited about things like that. Joan Collins on lust, keeping her looks and dying with dignity. The Irish setter, they've all done with the, you know, it's murder kind of thing. The Daily Telegraph, the army faces cut to just 50,000 troops. And the NHS test, oh, lovely, that predicts when you're going to suffer a heart attack. Just what you don't want to know. What is it? No, I, I can't tell you. I find it too depressing, things like that, because you think, I don't want to have a heart attack, thank you very much indeed. Not just yet, anyway. A few more years. A few more years. Uh, front page of The uh, the Independent. Um, the most influential voice in music 
tells all. I've never even heard of this person. Uh, gay pupils were bullied by their teachers. Homeowners blamed for the housing crisis. And Murray knocks out USA in historic Davis Cup victory. Uh, front page, uh, the, uh, the Times this morning. It's got a picture of Paloma Faith and Gemma Arterton. They were out there the other day for International Women's Day. Uh, Helen Pankhurst, granddaughter of the suffragette leader Emmeline Pankhurst, also took part. And the Tories moved to exploit the Labour split on Scotland. That's just about it for this morning. I wish you a pleasant Monday. Thank you very much indeed for all of your uh, your texts and emails this morning. Winnie, have a great <coughs> excuse me birthday. And uh, you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. We'll have a free podcast up for you in around about 15 minutes this morning where we gently chide a few celebrities. I used the word with a small C this morning because some of them are very small C celebrities. Unfortunately, in their own minds, they think they're somewhat bigger. And uh, if you go to the LBC website, then you can download the LBC app. It's free. Or there's TuneIn Radio too. And it means that with the LBC app, we will send you that free podcast every day which is very useful. And if you learn about podcasting from as little as £2 a month, you can download everything on LBC. I urge you to download Sir Tony Robinson and Jimmy Somerville, who were this weekend's In Conversation guests. Very, very good conversation. Reading and, uh, and Jimmy Somerville with a new album out as well, which I think is his sixth solo album.